Welcome to episode 28 of an axe-throwing podcast. I'm your host, Bill Feinberg. Uh, today's date is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. Hopefully I can get this out pretty soon. And today's guest is Dylan Sweet Teats. Teats! Uh, the, so Dylan, <laughs> thanks for being here. Howdy. How are we doing? We're good. So uh, for those that don't know, uh, Dylan, uh, so some of Dylan's most notable wins are uh, took first uh, 2021 at the Super 32 Invitation. He took first at 2022 Fargo High Roller, and uh, maybe heard of this one. Uh, 20 first at the 2022 Hatchet WATC. So uh, it's a pretty good resume you got there, Dylan. Yeah, I got lucky. <laughs> yeah, so that's all luck, no skill. It's, uh, yeah, cool, man. Uh, well, thanks for being here. We're we're gonna talk a lot about axe throwing, but uh, before we get to the axe throwing stuff, uh, you are a super interesting person, and you have like uh, <laughs> you're 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 23, right? Right. So I feel like you have uh, a lot more, like, like uh, a large breadth of kind of skills. Uh, and so let's hear about <laughs> your life uh, before axe throwing. Before axe throwing, um, you know, I was sort of a musician performer, right? And I went down the road before before COVID, really, of of really honing that in of being a, a dancer, musician, just just a live performer pretty much for a lot of different things. And um, a model, if anyone was had access and those, you'll see, I, I spent a couple of years uh, as a model, but uh, yeah. So I have a different, a lot of different skills uh, that we can talk about if you want, but yeah, I, know let, I do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get, I guess um, I don't have many questions about modeling. So I guess I'll just shrink it down. Uh, have you ever like saw one of your own modeling, I guess, like 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 a, a photo shoot or something like like have you ever seen your own face on like a billboard or or like a, or like on a like a bus stop or anything like that? Not a billboard. It was so I was in I was in a competitive marching band for a long time. And that's how I got into it. So I modeled for a marching band uniform company who also did like cheerleading and sports warm up stuff. So it's really just magazines, like covers of magazines. People will send me uh, just just pictures and be like, "Is this you?" And that's really the only recognition I have from it at all. So not too big, but still fun, you know. Is it? I guess like you said, it was for like a uh, marching band uniforms. Uh, did you ever get it from like somebody that like wasn't in that field? Like for example, like I've never looked at a marching band magazine. Uh, yeah, and like, that actually just that just happened. <laughs> um, Josh Russo was looking at um, warm up gear for the Wizards melee team. And he sent me a picture of, of one of my modelings. And he was like, there's no way this is you. And um, I guess he told everyone at Axis and O's because then everyone was hitting me up with different screenshots of my my shots, you know, my my pictures. So that, that's it all. just happened. But hopefully it wasn't something that you're like, I don't like to talk about. I was trying to keep that secret. Oh, thanks, Josh. <laughs> I don't normally just talk about myself at all, really. So it was it was interesting for sure. Well, at least well, you're on a podcast now, so uh, I guess. Uh... Oh yeah, no, I have to. <laughs> oh no, actually, it'd be just hilarious to just said not like. And today, I'm interviewing Dylan Teets, and then you're just like, "All right, so I really like the work you did on that previous episode. Let's talk about." Oh yeah, <laughs> we just talk about your last episode. That works. Cool. Um. All right. So uh, let's let's hear more about like the performance stuff. So I think you mentioned like uh like music, dancing, uh, I think juggling. Yeah. yeah. So one of my my shows it was an indoor percussion line. And um, it was the greatest showman. You've ever seen that movie? I have not, but I haven't seen it a was lot. A, of it was a Hugh Jackman one. It was about the circus. Um, and I could juggle. I just learned, taught myself how to juggle. And cymbals 
a percussion instrument uh, that I played for most of my most of my career, and I juggled them in a show. And so I learned how to juggle, and now I can juggle various different things. Um, been trying to teach myself knives and axes. Uh, not as cool as Ben Edgington, because I haven't really tried that hard, but he's definitely got it down. So hearing that uh, you are a juggler makes me feel better because so uh, you're not gonna be able to see it and then people listening on won't be able to hear or see it but uh people that twirl their axes in between throws yeah uh, so uh, i used to do that. i do it <laughs> I, I know you do and i get i used to do it and then i caught it one time and i got seven stitches to show for it and i had to mm-hmm. i was one-handed for a month uh and i'm a software engineer so it's like i guess type in extra slow. oh that's yeah that's hard i think most of us have stitches i have it in two different spots on my left hand here were they um, twirling accidents? Oh man, stupid, just stupid stuff. Like working on an axe, I was um, like hammering and chiseling and the blade was uncovered and I missed the chisel and hit my hand into the blade of the axe. So I went to the bone. That was fun. And then another one was just using my axe as a utility knife and just cutting tape. And one time it didn't cut right. So I lifted it up and cut straight through the tape and into my hand. I've... Uh... Um, I've almost cut my hand using like actually using my axe for cutting as well. I'm like, I need something yeah. to cut this tag off with. What do I have anything sharp? I have a bag full of sharp things. Exactly. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you want to use it as just a tool, but it's not meant for that. No, it's meant for throwing, obviously. Yeah. Have you ever used one of your axes for, for cutting? Or I mean like for like chopping wood? Chopping actually, yeah. My first general was uh I'm I'm sorry, Waddle, it's piece of junk. I hate the general. And so all of our old boards, I would just chop them up with the general and a different firewood and stuff. I'd use that just to chop our firewood, just to have a nice fire on I'm, winter getting, nights. Yeah, you're getting, I mean, it's, you're, it's better, like, you're getting more use out of that than I'm getting out of, like, some other axes that I have that, like, they're just in a shelf. Yeah. Cool. I have, um, have plenty of axes on the shelf, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, you uh, it's, uh, you've, you've got a, a really nice axe on the shelf, also. Well, I, well I, you took it off the shelf to show me before you got started. Uh, I did. Yeah, that's right next to me now. <laughs> the, that's your teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, I sleep with it actually. How'd you know? <laughs> cool. Um. Oh, so, uh, some of the other performance stuff I think you mentioned is uh, like stilts. Have you ever like combined? You're like, all right, I'm doing stilts, dancing, yeah. and juggling at the same time. I have actually. Yeah. So when I was auditioning for one of um. Universal Studios still performers. Um, it was a Mardi Gras parade, and there were just these these juggling implements in the corner for the audition. And I was like, I was on the stilts, and I was like, hey, one of the helpers, I was like, can you hand me those? And then I started juggling for the the judges, and they they thought it was really cool. Unfortunately, I didn't get that gig. Crazy, you were. but I did end up getting the gig um, for Universal Studios Transformers. I was going to be Megatron. Sweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how I kind of combined them. And then also Mar- Mardi Gras was also a dancing opportunity too. So it kind of all worked its way in, but then COVID happened. Yeah. And then I just couldn't do any of it. They shut it all down. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, one of my friends, uh, his brother, I think was a performer at Disney. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's like kind of same thing. Like, well, the, the this royally sucks. It really did. Yeah. It was yeah. going to be a whole new chapter of my life. However, we had COVID, we came back, and I found axe throwing um, kind of as I was about to go into the Marine Corps. kind of stopped doing that, too, because I found axe throwing, and yeah, it kind of became a new chapter in my life, and kind of glad it did. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, good. we're good. glad you're here. Um, 
I'm just trying like uh that's it's like a you know, I've done you know like other sports and like I'm like I feel like I have some level of body awareness so you're like you're like body you know it's like like oh dancing nah I can't do that juggling nope <laughs> yeah those things take a little bit of practice and it's like like how's Dylan so good at axe throwing oh he's just good at the uh, moving uh, you are human right like you are you're not an alien um as far as I'm aware you know, okay. I'm human cool uh oh also uh i think uh thanks for asking <laughs> I, I, I had to couldn't couldn't pass up the opportunity uh and you're, there's you're a there's to... a thread um a couple of people i know maria schultz what can't dylan teats do things what, uh, that dylan teats can't do is, <laughs> i mean really like funny. what what's in that list <laughs> not a lot <laughs> uh can, can you bowl i actually yeah that's one of the reasons i learned how to start doing repetitive motions was bowling my dad was a professional bowler and i, I actually talked to mike Hump for a long time because he bowls as well and I have a couple perfect games in bowling <laughs> oh okay uh, th- I, I might just spend the rest of the podcast just thinking of things like what about that are you good at that uh yeah do swimming? It. Just, just spit them out <laughs> um <laughs> swimming yeah when i was younger in middle school i was i have gold medals in the backstroke how many champion things have you how many things have you won <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, I don't know about one, but I've I've done a lot of things. That's awesome, man. That that's really cool. I uh I I I feel like uh I've done a lot of things, I've just never been like good at them. I've been like average or worse at yeah, most things. That's one of that's that's something like if I'm gonna do something, I'm not gonna half ass it. I'm gonna go full in. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be good at this. Like when I first did my first league, I was terrible. My wife Chrissy was was better than me, and I was like, nope. Not gonna, not gonna have that. So I built my own target in the backyard, and then the next week I was top of the league. So hell yeah, that's awesome, man. When uh, and so I guess um, and and you're going to school right now for was a to be a sign language interpreter. Yeah, I'm doing some part time schooling right now to help some hard of hearing people and, and sign online. Basically, just get a couple more, couple more hours in. Yeah, I'm going to school for sign language. I want to help people. That's awesome. I've uh I've learned like a a little bit or like a, a, you know I didn't know that um like how much sign language relies on like tone and facial expression or, or a like, lot of a lot of expression yeah um it's it's, a, it's more like verbal than I realized uh, yeah. yeah uh or that like, no, there's different one like, of there's my different kinds oh yeah so not just ASL there's there's world sign there's Spanish sign pretty much every country has some kind of variation so. If you really want to be good, <laughs> learn them all, and then you'll make a lot of money. But I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Um, one of my best friends um, when I started axe throwing was was deaf, and I had taken sign language in high school or no, it was college just to get that credit. But I ended up really liking it, and I was able to connect with him somewhat about axe throwing and you know being able to sign with him. And it just it just led me down a rabbit hole. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Because we ended up getting a whole bunch of the deaf community into our leagues. And it was really good for them to do things together, you know, as a community. So I was like, I'm going to build this in other places. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, another thing I didn't know about sign language until recently was that, um, like, there's, like, sign language that requires two hands and sign language that is, like, one-handed. Yeah. So there's variations on different signs that you can do with two hands or one hand you get to like 
if you if you if you have something in your hands, you can do a variation on that sign, and people will understand basically what you mean. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, I could go down a sign language rabbit hole. Like, teach yeah, me all the that's other sign other... language. I know sign language. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, actually, I got one more sign language question. Um, uh, have, has there ever been like a time where you're like, man, I'm so glad I learned sign language because this place is super loud and I don't feel like yelling and I could just sign oh like, at, like a concert or like yes, order, absolutely. ordering a drink. So, yeah, concerts like Disney parks will get really loud. And for my wife to be super receptive and know how to read it mostly. I can talk to her across a room and kind of, we just have our own conversation, which is really, really cool. I can, I can tell her, I'd be like, man, this sucks. Do you want to go? And she'll be like, yes, please. <laughs> and um, it's, it's kind of neat just to that, have that ability. That is cool. I've, I've been at times where like uh, sitting at a big table and like, I'm like, man, I really wish I could talk to that person on the far end of the table, but like, yeah. I don't want to yell over everybody. And I'm like, Oh, if oh we both sign, we could just like, it is a very nice, nice skill. <laughs> okay. And then not a lot of people know it as they're like, you're like, not, I'm not a big fan of like, you know, teasing people if they're not in on the joke, but you're like, I feel yeah, like I would play it like, up or like, hey, you guys are doing something there and you can kind of be like, yeah, you know. <laughs> cool. Um, so I feel like that's, uh, I feel like we kind of, kind of danced around like life before kind of, it's like, um, uh, what about uh like how'd you get started actually? I know you said like you got started uh like kind of when COVID hit, but like how'd you how'd you find it? Yeah, so I pretty much in the middle of COVID, we just like almost everyone else, we went for a birthday party or a party, you know. We went for my dad's birthday party, Highland Axe Throwing, Wesley Chapel, Florida. And I loved it because I had thrown axes in the backyard before and knives and stuff, just at trees and and whatnot, just because you know that's what you do as a kid. And then we went and we were like, oh, this is a thing. And then we had a great time. We had a great coach. And he was wearing a kilt. I was like, oh, this is so, so cool. It's such a neat little community. I was bad at it. You know, my wife was better than me, which I was like, oh, man. So I went home and I researched it. I was like, oh, this is a whole sport. This is crazy. So I watched pretty much everything that YouTube had to offer. And then we took a break for a while. You know, we did COVID and couldn't. Couldn't really go back home to Orlando, Florida. And then when we did, we, I looked up immediately. I was like, okay, do we have venues near us? And then there was Rockstar Axe Throwing uh, next to University of Central Florida. And we went one time with a, a friend, a Marine Corps friend of mine, actually, because I was doing the Marine Corps. And he he loved it. I loved it. And we were like, okay, let's sign up for the league because we were both kind of not great at it. And she was like, I want to do something with you that we're not like you're not better than me at that we're both bad at. Um, yeah, and then she was actually better than me at first. Our first league was was great. It was very humbling. We were throwing competition throwers. We had bottom right away. I was like, I need my own axe, obviously. Makes sense. And yeah, she was better than me the first week. Everyone was. I dropped almost every throw. And I was like, nope, we're not doing that. So then I continued that first league um, right after. Built a target in my backyard and just locked in pretty much every single day for two or three hours. I was throwing outside on pine, which the venue was on cottonwood, but still I learned how to not drop. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen again. And you then the very I, next, the very next week I was top of the league. That's amazing. Yeah. When I, when I first started, I was throwing on pine and uh, it's like, well, I'm, I'm heading flat. I'm, I'm dropping. Oh, I guess stick toe. And then it's like, yeah, Oh, cool. toe it I, in. Yeah. For IETF. Sure. This is great. Uh, and I get to yeah. a lot of like, Really wish I'd stop. 
If I had hit flat, that would have been an extra point. A lot more points. Yep. Cool. And now, yeah, so we're, oh, good. We we started we started with small bullseye on cottonwood, so we were very privileged when we started axe throwing just to have those luxuries, pretty much. Do you uh, now? You said um, so uh, that was in Florida. Are you still in Florida? Or are you somewhere else now? So I am now in Illinois. Okay. Um, axe throwing has, has brought me across the United States to be a general manager for Riverbend Axe Throwing. Nice. Y'all got a tournament yeah, coming Dan up, and, right? Dan and Erica. Yeah, we do. May fifth. Cool. Been open. Yeah, I, uh, I hope I should be able open to make to that. I think I, I think I'm, I should be able to make that one. That one's a uh, driving distance from. I'm in Oklahoma City, uh, so y- you should definitely make it. I will add it's it to, to my to my calendar. I, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I, I get to I get like one a quarter maybe. Uh, but uh, all right. Uh, let's see here. Um, so you're, so you're in, you're in Illinois right now. Oh, I think one of it's gonna be a spoiler question. Uh, had you ever been to Illinois? Uh, I guess before like <laughs> moving there. Technically, yes. I was here at the Riverbend Open last year um, because Dan and Erica are amazing. I've been friends with them since the 2021 U.S. Open. Yeah, 2021 U.S. Open. I met them, and they were just amazing people. They welcomed me right into the sport pretty much. I drove from Florida to Atlanta just for the prep tournament just because I wanted to throw against better people, just because I knew that's what it was going to take to uh, get better. And they were there, and they were kind of doing the same thing. They kind of started at the same time, pretty much. And they welcomed me, and they were like, hey, this is this is what we do. You know, you want to come warm up with us and everything? And they were awesome, and I've seen them at Ironside and all the tournaments after that. And we've been pretty much best friends ever since. That's awesome. I, uh, I, uh, I think I first met Dan at one of the 2021 regionals in Missouri. Uh, yeah, I think he... I think he knocked me out. I think uh, that was fun. That was, that was yeah, a good times. That. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's like back to back 64 is like, oh, cool. Good job, man. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, let's see. Uh, so you're throwing. Oh, question about uh, as far as like starting out in Florida, because like I'll, I'll try and throw outside here. I have a target in my backyard, but the weather sucks. So it's like, you know, we have, uh, have seasons here. Uh, and then it's also windy. There's no so. seasons in Florida. No seasons. Nope. It's summer. All year long, pretty much. We have two weeks that are like a little chilly. Even then, it's it's better to be outside. So uh, having a target outside is totally fine. The only thing that really wind, hurricanes, I guess, <laughs> the only thing that really makes it hard to throw outside. So I had that easy to be able to throw in my backyard for my whole career pretty much until now. It was, uh, it was never too cold to go outside and throw in Florida? Never. <laughs> never. Oh, uh, Also, uh, what, what's the... Uh... So I just take a sip of your uh, your bourbon. What you drinking? I am drinking Jefferson's Ocean. Yeah, Voyage number twenty four. So Jefferson's Ocean is a bourbon. Pretty, it's pretty. Rare. I mean, it's rare ish, but it's only aged at sea. It's one of my favorites. Uh, we were talking before the podcast started, but yeah, I'm a big whiskey drinker. I really like it. After cool. COVID, I turned twenty one on April in April twenty twenty, and I didn't. I couldn't drink at all. So I went to the grocery store and I got a six pack of beer and I was like, okay, let's try beer. And I tried all the beer and then I gained 25 pounds and realized, okay, we need to find something other than beer. Uh, and then my buddy was like, Hey, why don't we try whiskey? Come over. I'll, I'll do a tasting for you and I'll, you can taste all the different types of whiskey and I'll explain how to, you know, how to taste it and enjoy it. And he did that for me and 
I've just really enjoyed it since. So I really like bourbon and whiskeys and stuff. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a craft beer person for too long, um, where yeah. he's like some app called untapped and it's like, Oh, checked into we're 5,000 mm-hmm. unique craft beers. This is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Though. Like it goes from being like something I'm proud of to something like, ah, oh, I, I, I was proud of that. Now I'm ashamed that I was, uh, cool. Um, bit, but it's still cool. So, so you're in, in Illinois now. I said you're, you're managing a venue there. Riverbend. Yeah. Riverbend. Cool. Yeah, so Dan reached out to me before I won. It wasn't just a, oh, you want a world champion? Now you can come work for me. No, it wasn't like that. <laughs> um, he had reached out a couple times beforehand. And he was like, would you be interested? And I was like, you want me to move to Illinois in the winter? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Not going to do that. And then pretty much right before Worlds, I got laid off of my job that I was working industrial production, forklift and running a team. Um, but I got laid off. They were doing layoffs. And the same day, Dan called me. Be like, listen, this is my offer. And I was like, dude, this is crazy. The timing was was awesome. So I figured it was a sign that I need to try this new chapter in my life. So I'm I'm here now and we're giving it a go. <laughs> that that's awesome. Did uh did you own a winter jacket? I didn't. No, <laughs> I had I most people will know at tournaments I have one sweatshirt and one pair of sweatpants that I would bring to all the cold tournaments like Keystone and, and Axes and O's and everything. I'd wear the same stuff. Everyone would see me in my red Buccaneers, NFL Buccaneers drumline hoodie because it was the only thing I had. It was the only thing I owned. I own more now that I live here. Um, <laughs> Look, laundry day is yeah. not a problem anymore. No, no problem. <laughs> cool. Uh, so now I, I assume you're throwing at Riverbend. Are you throwing anywhere else outside of tournaments or are you just throwing leagues at Riverbend? Just leagues at, at Riverbend. Um, I got to one tournament this year and it was POS. Cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot to add uh, PLS to my little agenda here. I'd be interested. I didn't get to go to that one. I've, uh, I should like I can't remember what I had going on. Um, it was only three hours away, which is about as close as stuff gets to OKC outside of like Tulsa. Uh, yeah. And so I was like hoping to make it down there. I just couldn't make it happen. I think I had like I think I was behind on. We, I think I had to install like a dishwasher or something. I don't know. Something you could have carpooled with like Jason and, and Bailey and them, right? Yeah, I, I was probably just being a. 35 year old homeowner trying to fix up an old house type of nonsense. But I didn't have my priorities right. in order. Yeah. It's axe throwing okay. come first. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't come first. <laughs> cool. Um you don't make cool. enough doing it. <laughs> Even I don't. I, I don't I don't make anything to it. This is completely oh, yeah. uh, this is this is an expense. Um but uh what uh how many how many days a week are you throwing leagues? Um, so we have a Sunday league, which is my my best league, and then we have a Thursday league in our other location. Um, that's a little bit smaller. So yeah, I'm throwing twice a week now, which is way more than I'm used to. Um, for Florida, I did, you know, leagues when I first started, pretty much all through 2021, and then 2022 happened, and we moved to Tampa, where I'm originally from, and there wasn't really leagues for us, so we only did marathon leagues back in Orlando. So I only did pretty much one marathon league every single season. And that was it. You get one and you're done. My best, my best league last year was because I did a marathon in Orlando. And then the very next day I drove down to Pompano, Florida, which is South Florida, probably four and a half hours away and did a marathon the very next day and crushed it just because I've been throwing so much 
And that was, that was my best league. That was the winter season. And I got my bid right away. So that was pretty cool. Nice. I uh, actually lived in Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale for like three months from like end of 2011, beginning of 2012. So I was like, Pompano, that sounds yeah. familiar. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, down there. Yep. It's, uh, it's Delray Beach area. I don't know. I don't know Florida. Those places. are words. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm not from down there, but the Axelon Society is a really big venue and they got a really good community down there. So very grateful that they are open to doing all of the stuff that they do for us that when we were down there. So, but now I have two, two leagues a week. It's like too much. What uh, <laughs> like, dis- I feel doing- too good. This is weird. <laughs> are you doing all the disciplines or like which disciplines are, do y'all do? Yeah. All the disciplines. So Sunday we do all the axes, hatchet, big axe duels. And then Thursdays we don't do duels. We do knives. Okay. Sweet. So it's uh, what's that like, like six, Six leagues a season, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Nice. What uh, what are you throwing for the different uh, for the different disciplines? So, hatchet. I'm throwing my tried and true stock king of diamonds that I won with. Um, I have a couple of of custom stuff coming that I'm I'm gonna try out. You know, some people have reached out, be like, like stop throwing custom. I know Vin commented on a couple of my stuff. But can we get this guy a custom axe? At least take the <laughs> sticker off. Um, but I won with a, a stock King of Diamonds, and that was, that was, you know, it's just what was working. I like, I love the fact that you're throwing. Like, I didn't realize you were throwing stock until like somebody pointed out, like when I was in the crowd at WATC. I was like, that's awesome. I feel like that's like it's, I feel like that's the like, man of the people because stuff. I did shape shape the handle a little bit for my hand, and then I profiled the edge a little bit. So you think it's not stock stock. But still, you can tell that it's on the original handle with the sticker. And I know, I know that Mario was going crazy when I won with it. <laughs> that's probably good for their business. That's all I like. I think that's especially cool. You know, people talk about like growing the sport, right? And like, because, you know, like, like I've got, I've got a couple custom axes um, that I may or may not have gotten in trouble for spending money as much as I did on. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. but I think like, I think it's cool. Like if, you know, I think back to like, you know, when like I did martial arts in college and when like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't afford good gear. And so I just mm-hmm. had to train with what I had. And so it's like, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people that, especially that might be just getting started or like, if you know, if it's like a college student or something like, uh, or, yeah. or like, or if it's a youth thrower, you know, like, uh, like, uh, like, I don't think, uh, like when I was, at, when I was it in like middle school or high school i wouldn't be able to afford like several hundred dollars on an axe oh yeah no it's it, it gets crazy for sure and you don't need a super custom the makers in our community are amazing they make beautiful work that is true truly an art and i love to be you know just to watch them or to even try my best to be a part of that um i've, I've done my hand of making some stuff for local people in in florida i have made axes before and i know how hard it is even just to make it for yourself is honestly it helps a lot just to know what you're doing but you don't need that you don't need anything fancy just make it personalized doesn't have to be super custom or fancy but if you make it personalized for you i think you can do go a long ways with it well and i think uh also you know it's a matter of you know if you put in the hours with one right like you know you're like i have you know, hundreds or thousands of hours practicing with this thing and you get yeah. something different. You're like, this is amazing. But like, uh, mm-hmm. like it's going to take more time. Yeah. You're like, yeah. So that's where 
<laughs> like me, Phil, Vaughn, Lucas, we're all really picky now <laughs> about what we throw. Um, I know once we get something, I, I like to get it bigger if I'm going to get something custom and then shape it down myself and make it rotate the way that I want it to. That makes sense. But, um, what, what about yeah. for the uh, for sorry? Are you, are you throwing? Are you throwing your king for the uh, for duels? Or are you throwing something different for duels? Hatchet and duels. It's the same X, just like Colby Dean. Uh, it's it works for one, so it should work for both. Obviously, yeah, I might change something different for duels because me and Garrett we threw at PLS Garrett Knighting, mm-hmm. and the just the shape of the eyes weren't really working out. The King of Diamonds and the Flying Fox. So I might be looking for a new duels X, or I might just. Shave this one down super thin, but right now it's the same axe for both. And then big axe, I'm throwing a Dustin Wallman. He is the man for big axe, I think. Everyone makes beautiful stuff, but for functionality, I think Dustin Wellman knows how a big axe should rotate. And if you want to be good at big axe, I'm sorry, Dustin Wellman's the person to hit up. <laughs> okay, cool. Now, um, uh, which uh, which which head are you throwing on the on the Wellman? So I think uh. So for the longest time, for all of last year, and it's kind of a funny story, I was throwing a uh, modified plum jersey head. So just one of his crazy modified ones. And it was actually his personal axe. After Super 32, after I won, I had some money in my pocket. (laughs) Um, And I was throwing his axes, and I couldn't miss with his axe. And I told him, Dustin, dude, I need to have this axe. And he was like, well, you know, the world championship is coming up. I kind of need that. I was like, okay, how much? And he said, I don't know, some ridiculous number, maybe like $600. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give you this distal steel, right? And I'll pay pay you the, for the rest, whatever you think it's worth. And he, he sold it to me, which I thought was insane. I did not think he was going to do that, but he did. And I ended up making a lot more money with that big hex than it was than I had initially paid for it. So that was that was pretty cool. It was his original axe that he made for himself. So props to you, Dustin. Love you, bud. So uh, so that that axe paid for itself. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Nice. Now, um, I think uh, before we start recording, so you you have I think you threw ITF for what one day? ITF. Yeah, my experience. We used to have a little local Florida circuit where all of the axe coaches would go and kind of compete against each other. We called it the golden gator. Um, and the axe champs in Jacksonville, Florida would, was hosting. And that was my first introduction to IETF. And I was like, Oh, this is easy. Bullseyes are huge. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they reached out. They were like, Hey, we're doing a marathon. We'd love to make, see you like come out. And I did it. It was a long marathon and IETF marathon is not, something to play around with it was hard work man it was all day long but it was great i ended up throwing i think 11 or 12 81s in that day and qualified for round one so it was a great experience i loved throwing it it was a lot out of fun but it was so far away you know there was nothing really else to do other than that one marathon and then after the riverman open actually I flew back down to make round one and then I qualified for IATC. Did you end up going cool. to uh, IATC? <laughs> no, way too much money, man. Yeah. Um, I just, I didn't have the money or, you know, the reason I didn't have a passport really. <laughs> so I, I didn't end up going, but it was cool to qualify, you know? 
for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I just missed my. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I got. I qualified for ITC round one last year for my 2020 leagues because they just yeah. took the. But then uh, I only had like one marathon, and so I didn't have enough like whatever the points are to qualify. And I uh, I went to the was it the the region ITF regionals, and it's like oh cool like I'm in the same same bracket as like Vale and Fancy and Papa Bear and like a whole bunch of other just oh, yeah. monsters and it's like this huge th- names yeah like I'm just, I'm just gonna go hang out with my friends and if I throw well cool yeah that's fair that's the way you got to go into most of these tournaments man yeah I know I love ITF I think it's a lot of fun I love going back and forth from Hatchet and Big X I think that's probably my favorite part you know because it's a real that's a real challenge whereas Hatchet is just like is what it is and then big x is big x day but to go back and forth you, you actually have to think about it and you actually have to have real talent there and um a lot of practice yeah especially well and uh it's actually one of the things that like i really like if i could change one thing about the itf the first thing i think i would change is just one practice throw just i'll give just, it one just, give you, yeah, give just, you one big x just, just to well no like just just in just before oh, going matches. back to hatchet too like, yeah. just like before a match just just one Right. But like, that's part of the game. Uh, but I, I feel you on like the length because right. It's not like, it's not who sucks less. Like, no, you have to hit. Yeah. And they have to yeah, mix could, and both of those things have time. to happen. Right. It almost makes it more exciting, you know, just to see like eventually someone's got it. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it more, more exciting, I think. And to, to give you pers- some perspective, I won the, the Fargo Invitational and that was, hatchet and big x going back and forth i think it was something like 40 throws and you get 10 hatchet or no maybe it was five no 10 hatchet five big x 10 hatchet five big x um and that was the format and 40 throws like a cumulative number that you get for those throws you win or lose there was only one tie of the day and it was me and dustin woman it, it was it was crazy i ended up winning that but what uh i guess uh, did, did this you get a goes practice? to show that i really love going back and forth did you get a practice in between like switching or no no Ooh, that's so. that sounds fun that uh mm-hmm. i i uh i agree i, I like the, i do like the switching uh i don't benefit from it it hurts me more than it's ever helped me <laughs> but i, I do fun, enjoy right? it um yeah. the uh w- one of the things uh i do like about i think i mentioned this before but um and, and should get your take is uh Right. Like in Waddle, you know, you basically throw at the same time. Like you have the option of not looking at your opponent's throw. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you don't want <laughs> to look at their throw. <laughs> but like in IETF, but, like you can't, like if you're throwing second, you know, on Big X, like if your opponent just threw first on Big X, like you kind of can't miss what they just did. Like you kind of yeah, have no, to watch can. it. Yeah. You have to watch because it's only one lane, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time. So I, uh, I, I, or, 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 you know, it's like, all right, you're, you know, they're up by two, they throw first, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. They threw a bull, they're up seven. All right. I have to hit to stay alive. Yep. Uh, yeah. And that puts a little more pressure and that makes it more fun too. So, so. either way, win. <laughs> I like it. Cool. Um, now I'd, I'd be interested to kind of hear more about like your, like your practice routine or like the kind of evolution of your practice routine practice routine so it kind of goes along with what most sports are you need to start with a lot of reps a lot of repetition so probably a couple of hours of just 
figuring out what you want your throw to feel like and then really making that mind muscle connection um and i i did bodybuilding for a couple years in high school and i really understand like how to feel your muscle connection and so just to have those those few hours to build that even maybe a couple times a week build that mind muscle connection right so that way you can get the memorization (laughs) yeah and then after that then you can go into the structure that a tournament will be which is like you get maybe 15 minutes throw your best you possibly can for 15 minutes and then go sit for an hour go sit for two hours because sometimes it's going to be what tournaments are going to be and then you got to get up and, and do that again so i go back and forth you know so right before a tournament obviously i'm going to be practicing what a tournament setting is going to be like but in the off season or whatnot i'm tweaking things i'm changing things about my throw i'm gonna put a lot of throws at the board i'm gonna go through a lot of targets um what's the uh like the longest practice session you've ever had oh man so when i first started throwing at rockstar um i did a marathon league with with dustin knight some people might know him dk and he came down for for I think it was the Harley Davidson was a bike week. Yeah. Bike week in Daytona. And he did a marathon league there and he looked at my throw and he said like, dude, you're going to be a rock star. How long have you been throwing? I said, I told him one month and he's like, yeah, you're going to be great. And that really boosted my career. Like my, my ego into actually trying to, to do something. And I, I took him aside. I said like, Hey man, how do you practice? Like, tell me, tell me what I need to work on. And he ended up telling me, I don't finish practicing for the day until I throw a perfect game. And that really stuck with me for a while in my first part of my career. So <laughs> the venue owner at Rockstar really loved me because I put quite a few hours there with my practice sessions, not leaving until I threw a perfect game. So probably my second second league, my second. <laughs> so I started winter of 2021, spring. I was probably when I threw my first perfect game in practice. And then I I used that mantra. Like I stayed until I threw another perfect game. And that was with a Gen 2 butcher, super heavy, using a step with my throw. Super crazy. Like, I've changed my throw quite a bit, but that's sort of how my practice started. You know, you know, really, like, you need to be perfect every single time. So that kind of gave me a pretty big jump into my career, I think, where most people were, like, struggling because they've only gone, you know, like, once every week for league. But no, I was there pretty much every day. Uh, have you ever like gotten in trouble? Cause you're like, you're like, look, I don't stop practicing until I throw a 64 and like Dylan, it's been four hours. Like <laughs> we need to eat dinner. Yeah. Luckily, luckily my wife's been super supportive with when I'm practicing at home, but even at the venue, I, I, I would always get it before closing, which was very convenient, you know? So it, it all works out and I would at least make myself throw it so that I could stop, you know, just, just to find that mental focus to be able to pull it out when you need it, I think is really big. Okay. So, so do you feel like, like you thrive with that kind of like, you're like, look, I got to get this done. (laughs) Like I got stuff to do today. Uh, I feel, I feel like, I feel like, uh, maybe, maybe this, maybe that's what I need to practice. Cause I'll like, I've had those ideas. Like, all right, I'm not going to stop till I throw a 61. It's like, all right, venue's closing in 15 minutes. Well, maybe next time. Yeah, no, that's when that's when usually I throw my best. It's like, okay, this needs to be your last game. 
and and you told yourself you're going to throw a perfect game, so you better do it. And then I do. So I, that uh, helps a lot. I mean, I, if you don't know how to throw under pressure, it's, it's a great way to learn. I've uh, I've been like just my. Uh, so like I come up with too many ideas and then uh, I start too many of them and finish not enough of them. Uh, but I've been trying to think of ways to like introduce like, like steaks, like, like not, not the meat steak, but like, like, you know, like the high stakes. Um, I mean, into... I like meat steaks. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, we can incorporate like how, that into throwing. I like how you just casually like I was a bodybuilder also just to like, <laughs> like, Oh, I forgot to mention bodybuilding. <laughs> um, it was just a, a phase, you know, <laughs> through high school, and I was doing a bunch of sports and stuff. So just, I was in the gym. So why not try <laughs> sprinkle some bodybuilding in there? Um, that was but, a long time ago. Yeah, I, I was trying to in, think of ways to incorporate, like you know, high stakes or like more pressure um, into practice. Uh, and one of the mm-hmm. way I, I I haven't done this yet, uh, and I don't think I would like. I don't think I think I'd be too embarrassed to do this, like in. Like in if there was like just uh, walk-ins, right? Like first timers, uh, I think right. it would like weird people out, especially because like I've just I've just throw like I don't own a venue, so it's not I can't be like ah it's weird, but it's uh, whatever. Do what you want. Um, but I was thinking about like um, you know how like in, in sports, like all right, okay, you you made you know you made a penalty, you got to do sprints, like uh, so, like burpees, like every oh, yeah. one burpee for every point below sixty four. We've done stuff like that before. Like with my my deaf friend, I was talking to you about. We would do if we if yeah we missed, it would be five push ups, or or burpees or whatever. It ended up just raising our heart rate so much that we couldn't throw better in the next game. So we ended up it was just a workout. It wasn't even about <laughs> excelling at the end. It was honestly just a workout. So we realized okay, this really doesn't help. Like like it, it could be a punishment, sure, but because it raises your heart rate so much. It doesn't actually make you better, and your mind muscle connection doesn't apply. You know, you're like, oh, I'm in better shape, but worse accuracy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I found uh, the best way to really like add pressure is if I'm throwing with someone and we're pretty evenly matched. I'll throw a twenty down, you know, a twenty dollar bill, and I'll be like, okay, hey, winner, winner of this, two out of three, takes it home and helps a little bit. And that's not really the only way. Just throwing with someone, you can really build that pressure, I think. Because that's, in my opinion, that's the biggest pressure I have is making money at tournaments. Like, I want to go. I want to make money um, because I put a lot into the sport. And that's why, if you see after I win, I'm so emotional just because of how much I've stressed and put into the sport about money. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, that's why. So that's really the best way to build the pressure, in my opinion. That, I mean, that makes sense. So uh, knowing that, like, you know, money is like a motivator for you. Uh, yeah. Is uh, what was it like holding an oversized check? Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> did you get to keep it I or mean, did you I have to give it back? Yeah, we we have it here. Yeah. <laughs> so like if you have guests over, like, like, I mean, like, what, where, like, where'd you put it in the house? Isn't like in the entrance way. You're like, all right, hang up your coats there. Take off your shoes. Admire my novelty check. Well, actually, it's at. Sorry, is that Dan and Erica's house, Brian Nielsen, uh, because they brought it back from Worlds for me because I knew I'd be coming up here. So it's technically at their house. We're going to put it up in the venue whenever I get the trophy from Brett Williamson. Brett, if you're listening, I need the trophy. 
Uh, is, are you gonna are you gonna hang up your uh, the the championship axe along like uh, with the I guess yeah, like, I'll put it the, on the, the tree. Yeah, I'll put it on the little box. Yeah. Also, uh, like how badass is that axe? Like so so cool, man. Jave, he knocked it out of the park. True, true artist in our sport. And yeah, I just love looking at it, man. It's beautiful. And I was showing you before we started, but my favorite part is in the center here. It has an engraving where most people can't see it. They mostly see the side profile. But if you look at it, you know, sort of at the blade, you'll see to the victor engraved into it. And I, I don't know why. That just means a lot to me. That's awesome. I, it seems like there's so many like intricacies on it that like, you know, how like uh, you could like make the same drive over and over, but still like, oh, I never noticed that one house over there's there. Something. Yeah. It, it sure. seems like just there's so many different details. You're like, I had no idea there was a thing inside that swirl over there. Oh, I've, I know everything about this axe now. <laughs> I've looked at it so much. Just because I'm one of those people, like, I still don't, it's hard for me to believe that I won. Like, I still don't really under, quite understand until people, like, tell me, look at me right in the face, be like, you won, dude. Like, you did that. Like, oh, yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> sure. But as you're, like, holding an axe in the check, you're like, you're like I don't, you're like, I won? You're like, Look, yeah. <laughs> you did it. Yeah, Good job. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, uh, I guess I'd, I'd love to hear uh, just kind of like because I, I rewatched um, I rewatched the broadcast yesterday. One, because mm-hmm. it's entertaining, but two, I, oh, I just wanted to prepare and try and do my homework. Um, oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for uh, doing your homework. Uh, so I just trying to make up for all the homework I didn't do in school. Um, but uh, do you do you look like at your brackets or do you like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to throw 64s anyway. I don't try to look at my bracket, but somehow some way someone comes up to me be like, like, you know who you're playing next? I was like, no, but I guess you better tell me because it's someone <laughs> good. Uh, they'll be like, oh, it's Mark Tishko. I was like, okay, that's cool. Uh, today better be the day that I beat Mark, T- Mark Tishko then. Cause I've never beaten him before. Do you like, do you have that, like that kind of like record in your head of like, you find out you're playing Tishko and you're like, oh yeah. shit, I've I've never beaten Tishko before. So like, all right, mm-hmm. well, today's gotta oh, be know. the day. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I think. Do you, I don't I don't normally look ahead of the bracket. Like I know a lot of people will want to plan out like how will I be against this opponent? I need to be the best I can be for every single person, so it doesn't really matter. But I end up finding out who I'm gonna play the next match, you know? And okay. I know I just have to bring it no matter what the name is. Right, it's not like 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 the goal is still throw sixty four, <laughs> like yep. um oh uh I think one of the things and I know I think Colby mentioned this um but I think when you were warming up you're like all right I have to prepare to hit ten kills in a row like that's like that's like the bar you set for yourself along, in yeah that goes along with the practice so now where I, where I'm at with my practice is and but leading up to the world championships was every time I hit a sixty four in practice. I would need to throw 10 overtime kill shots in a row because that's how many it was going to take to beat Lucas. I've seen him so, throw so many times. I knew that 10 was the number typically. Um, and it just so happened I told Colby that while we were warming up. And then he threw 10 perfect <laughs> overtime throws. I mean, there was, they had to switch targets, which is, it sucks. But it ended up being the perfect number actually that he needed to throw against Lucas. So that was kind of cool. Cool. Now, um, uh so i guess to kind of like follow actually this is a, maybe a a different a different question um 
How many times have you been on ESPN? Twice. Okay. What was the first time on ESPN? First time on ESPN was at the US Open, and I am so grateful for this. It was in Knives, something I had no experience or no business being on ESPN for. Um, but because they structured the US Open as a lottery, there weren't as much hard competitors. You know what I mean? There wasn't as 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 big of as a field. And they happened to do a separate broadcast that weekend as well. So those on top of each other just led to me throwing pretty okay and then ending up on the broadcast and doing terribly <laughs> because I'm not a knife thrower. Uh, knife, it's, it's a league of its own. It's really, really difficult in my opinion. But I'm really grateful for that broadcast because I had the experience like to see the lights, to know the feeling, to be on TV, you know. And then going into this world championships, I knew what it was going to be and I didn't care. You know, I wasn't nervous. But the first time I was so nervous. It was crazy. And I've performed in front of hundreds of thousands of people before um, as, as a musician performer. And that never bothers me. But for some reason, just being by myself on those on, in those lights. Yeah, it was nervous for sure. So, so your first time on ESPN for axes not for not for yeah. knives you won the championship the championship yep that's a it's a pretty good uh is it one for one yeah i guess <laughs> that, that's yeah, awesome. but i wouldn't have been able to do it without being able to make it for knives at the u.s open i that's that was actually my fourth time ever throwing knives so sounds like i've done a marathon league uh river bend was my first tournament doing it and i think i threw it at one more other tournament and then the u.s open but I knew I only had bids, lottery bids, by the way. I didn't earn my bids for Hatchet and Knives. And I made them count. I got fifth in Hatchet. I was one away from the stage. <laughs> Lost against Lucas. <laughs> and then, yeah, I made I made the stage for Knives. I got eighth. One and done kind of thing. So this, um, this isn't necessarily an ESPN question, but it is, I think, related. Um, so I've never made day two of a tournament. Right. Like when, you know, like right. it's like, all right, this is on Saturday and then day two is on Sunday. Um, so like, what does, does like, what does your brain do? Right. Like, obviously like, uh, and this could just be my ADD, but like Saturday, my like Saturday bill brain is not the same brain as Sunday. Bill I love brain. that you bring that up because it's absolutely <laughs> the same. Yeah. Um, uh, for most people, I think. Like you have to be a very special person to be able to keep what you did on Saturday and bring the same energy on Sunday. Yeah. So I, I fell into my first ESPN broadcast. I fell into what we call quicksand where while I was warming up, I would miss, I would, you know, I would drop cause it was knives and then I would just keep dropping. I was so mad that I dropped because I was like, Oh, I have to be perfect on TV that that pressure would add up and I would just drop and drop and drop. So Sunday was completely different than it was actually Friday. So I had a whole day in between um, of throwing different implements pretty much. You know what I mean? I had to throw knives on Friday and then throw hatchet all day Saturday and then throw knives again on Sunday. So it was really hard to come back and be able to feel the same rhythm I had on Friday where I was throwing match after match. It's it's a really difficult thing to do, I think. And to have that experience, I think once you get it once, you you kind of know what your body needs and what your mind needs to prepare yourself for the, the second day. 
but once you once you make the first one it's really hard yeah now like so in that example right so you're like all right uh and you know advanced on friday so you're feeling good at the end of friday like i gotta go through a bunch of other stuff on saturday Mm -hmm. right and so then didn't advance in those disciplines but then you're like i still gotta go i gotta wake up tomorrow and do it like um Mm -hmm. and like yeah i can't just i can't just slack off and drink beer with my buddies who who didn't make it i gotta i gotta actually go to bed and and wake up ready to go yeah, you keep that in mind, all you champions. You're missing out on all the fun at the bars. Uh, well, true. Yeah, no, nah, I'm jealous. <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's the worst part for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like when I when I competed in MMA, it's like I didn't care about getting like choked or punched in the face or kicked in the leg. It's like, man, yeah. I really miss Oreos. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, what uh, I think like one of the things. So you, you talked about like the quicksand, right? Um. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me let me back up. I have one more um one more question. So like uh how, how often like will you practice like when you're done throwing on a tournament? So like say like Saturday, let's say you finish at like I don't know, 7 p.m. and Appleton Axe is open till eleven. Will you go yep. try and get some more practicing? Or are you like, no, nah, I'm cool? No. Not during a tournament. No. I I've practiced so much leading up to a tournament. That's usually the only time I'll really put in a lot of practice is right before a tournament that I, it doesn't make a difference staying that night before, you know, you're not going to figure something out. Nothing magical is going to happen. Just go get your mind off of it. Go to, go to bed, you know, be around people you love, kind of distract yourself so that the next day you can turn it on easier. You're not thinking about, Oh, the practice session last night wasn't great or whatever. Or I was doing this for practice, but now I'm not because it, it doesn't matter. Do you, uh, do you have trouble sleeping like the night before tournaments? Um, 100%. I take a muscle relaxer and a sleeping pill <laughs> before before a big tournament just so I can sleep. Um, I'm one of those people, it's just hard for me to sleep in general. So when I have things to think about before a big day, yeah, I need help. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm not a good sleeping person. I'd be like, I'll, I'll give myself like 15 minutes to try and fall asleep. And it's like, all right, it's not cooperating. Well, I'm going to go do something. And then it's like 3 a.m. Like, all right, we have to go yeah, to sleep you, now. Once you do something, it adds on at least another hour. Cool. Um, yeah. So so to go back to uh, to the, the, the quicksand, right? Because uh, when I was watching the, the broadcast yesterday, um, mm-hmm. I, I noticed that I think you threw four or fives in a row. Yep. Um, yep. And so you're like, well, I got to I got to hit these kills. Like what was like what was your brain doing? Like you're like, <laughs> like I have to honestly, like, honestly. I don't remember the five before, before the kill shots. Like I don't remember throwing a five. Like I will, I will make myself forget that I threw those fives. And it's kind of crazy. Cause after I was talking to someone, I was like, yeah. And then I threw two fives before the last two kill shots. So like, no, you definitely threw more than, more than that. I was like, did I, I don't remember. Um, you just have to put yourself in a space to just forget, to just refresh and be like, okay, these these are kill shots now completely different especially for me i will live in kill shots i love them they are the right height for me or something because i can hit 10 out of 10 kill shots if that's what i'm going going for and doing but bullseyes especially leading toward world excellent championship bullseyes and still now are are my hindrance they're they are harder for me than hitting kill shots so to to miss a bullseye was like nothing you know, it's like, oh, I miss those all the time. <laughs> but kill shots is like, this is my bread and butter, you know, every day. That's what I tell myself, yeah, all day. 
and then so, I'd smack it, you know. So, so like, kind of like the level that you're at now, where you're like, oh, not worried about the kills. It's the bulls. And so, like, did you, do you find 100%. yourself like, do you find yourself having a lot of, you're like, well, I'm throwing 63s or 62s, but like <laughs> losing to 64s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I miss it, I mean, for most of the season, actually, I've just, I've just missed bullseyes. Yeah, and it wasn't so much before when i was throwing like a lighter axe it was once i switched to the king of diamonds um that it kind of became harder but it helped my kill shots so much that that's going to win tournaments so i made the switch you know yeah that makes sense um oh what was um what was your brain doing uh in your your match with philobom where um where he called a second on his own axe i mean I would have done the same exact thing. And I know Phil Baum is a great guy. You know, we're great friends, I think. And I go to him for a lot of stuff because he's a really knowledgeable person. But I think in that moment, I was just like, don't let this mess you up kind of thing, you know, because it is a longer pause and I was in a certain rhythm. So it was hard for me to sort of show that appreciation that I really had for him doing that because he's such an amazing guy for doing that. And I really appreciate it. But in that moment, it might not have looked like it because I was just trying to stay in my mindset, in my rhythm that I was in against him. Um, because my match, my match that weekend was Philip. That that was the only match in my mind. Was what? you need to beat Philip. You need to throw a perfect game against Philip. So whatever I could do to stay in that focus, uh, in that state is what I was doing. So I, I really appreciate what he did, but I was trying not to think about it. Does that make sense, Bill? So, so you didn't, you didn't get to like appreciate it. Like you didn't get to oh, like, really? you're just like, just stay, stay focused, stay in the zone. Mm-hmm. Don't like, <laughs> yep. but yeah, I, I told like friends and coworkers and like people that have never been ax throwing, uh, like I I'm like, check out this video of this dude. At like asking for his score to be lower. I'm like, this is like, out, this is what it's like. This dude who's arguably the best hatchet thrower, um, asking for his score to be lower. That's you know, it's a lot of heart. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a lot of respect for the game. I think, and it means the world to me. So I really appreciate him. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like there's a, a an exceptionally and impressively high degree of integrity in the sport. Uh, yeah. and it's awesome. Also, uh, in, in that match, um, when you threw the 64 to knock Mike out, um, I don't think the, he shot the thumb up, he shot, he knew, he knew it was going to be good. Yeah. And he like the, this thumb up behind me, I didn't know, I didn't know the time that he was doing that, but people right after told me, do you know what Phil did? You know, you know what Phil bomb did for you? And I was like, what? Yeah. And like, like, like in, in, it was it was uh, like it was crazy because I was like sitting like behind one of the cameras, so like I didn't have like a side view. I had like I was able to see both targets, and it was cool to see. I was actually bummed that ESPN didn't capture that, right? Like they oh, zoomed yeah. in. I was bummed. They, I was bummed they didn't capture a lot of things, um, especially not being live. Like, dude, there were so many cool things you could have put into this broadcast, but it is what it is. But I mean, like we, those moments still got captured elsewhere. It's just you know, yeah. the people. Um, so that, that, that was awesome. also like, uh, your energy when you like hit the 64 and walked away, uh, it was, it, I felt like, <laughs> I felt like some like Russell Crowe gladiator, like, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Yeah. Okay. I like, yeah, I was pretty on top of the world at that point. Um, I've only felt in the zone probably two times, two times ever. And that was at 
Super 32, my first time winning a tournament where you're just kind of out of your body, just kind of hovering outside and just watching yourself. You could be thinking about anything else. You'd be thinking about home, work, life. Did I leave the oven on? Literally, literally anything but axe throwing and you're still performing the best you can. And that's what I think is the zone. And I only experienced that at Super 32, my first win, and then at Worlds. Yeah, against Philbom. Yeah, that 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 was that was dope. Um, I guess, and then like uh, in uh, in your match against Colby, like I love that y'all were both going up on nine and ten, regardless. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. It doesn't matter. So both me and Colby, and a lot of people in the community, we believe that a thrower should represent himself in all ten throws. So if you if you go up on nine, and you know you hit a miss, it doesn't matter. Then that's the best of nine throws. You know, so I'm going to go up with you nine and 10, especially if we agree to it, you know, obviously, but we're just, it, it's just the way the sport should be, in my opinion. But I mean, I, a lot of people don't agree, you know, because a lot of other sports aren't like that. It's just our mindset. And Colby said it best when he had the interview with you, just we don't we don't believe that way, you know? Well, yeah. And, and like and I, I feel like I've I've gotten in trouble uh for basically something like i've had opponents tell me like don't just take the win like advance and i'm like i don't want to win like that like i think it also depends on what game it is you know like the first second game of the two out of three you can you can be a sportsmanship you know you can you can be a sport about it but if it happens again in game three sorry bud you know yeah i gotta i gotta do what i gotta do but most of the time, it's still even just, I know I'm the right kill shot, so I'm just going to go up and yeah. uh, and smoke it just because it's easier. So there's there's a little bit of different ways to think about it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Now, um, so as far as, uh, like, so after, like, after your wins at WATC, uh, right, you got to talk to Rob. And so you got some uh, kind of impromptu, yeah. like, uh, it's an interview question, Rob. So- uh, one of them, yeah. Shout, shout out to Rob, uh, who I ambushed his uh, his Saturday broadcast. So <laughs> thanks for letting me uh, kind of steal one of the chairs. Uh, nice, just for like fifteen minutes. Um, I think one of the questions that he asked you is like, "Did you did you ever have any doubt?" And you're just like, "No doubts." Yeah. So after I won, um, he asked, "Did I have any doubts playing against Colby?" And Colby was the match to get to. So we were practicing backstage, and we were just we were just trying to get better just trying to get warm because we knew the people we had to play were monsters in our sport and we were just like hey wouldn't it be crazy wouldn't it be crazy if it was you and me i'd be like yeah that's crazy and then we just went our separate ways and then he won and i was watching it and i was like oh shit sorry oh shoot i, I, I already swore you're fine i already, I already broke okay. the, the profanity um, ice i said oh, oh shit i have to win i have to be philobom and so it didn't the only game that I really cared about was beating Philobom so I could play my best friend Colby. That's really now, that was it. Now so like to kind of go back to like the sleep thing, like to know that you're like, I have to wake up on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like how much practice did y'all get on Sunday morning? Quite a bit. Honestly, like we had all of the knife broadcast that we were allowed to go back and practice. And obviously you don't take all of that time, but whenever Colby would go back, I would go back. Um, and we would throw against each other just to have someone to throw against. Were, were you throwing practice matches? One hundred percent. Yeah. Hell yeah. Probably the whole time. Probably the whole time knives were, or at least 
that we went back uh, into the other room to practice. We were throwing against each other. So that helped. <laughs> when you're throwing, so like when it's day two of Worlds and you're throwing practice matches like backstage, Mm-hmm. Like, does your is your brain keeping track of the tally of like, okay, like, all right, I'm up, up. Oh, no, he, they like, they're, they're up, they're like, oh, or is it just like, or you're win like, these ones don't matter. matter. Yeah, win loss doesn't really matter back there. It's really just how am I feeling? Am I going to be able to turn my brain off? Am I going to be able to stop thinking and my body still know what to do? And I think even even if you're not feeling great, you still had all of Saturday. It's so much throwing that even if you're not feeling great, you can still find it. I think so yes and no <laughs> was uh so like like was I, I already i already asked the question about like trying to sleep but uh like uh like even with like a, a sleepy pill and muscle muscle relaxer like were you able to sleep saturday knowing you're like i have to wake up and beat philabom it was hard it's still <laughs> very hard to fall asleep but uh, luckily the airbnb had a very nice mattress and that helped a lot <laughs> nice that's probably, cool. probably why I won. Honestly, shout out to the Airbnb mattress. Yeah. It's uh there's yeah, just endorse that specific Airbnb. Um we we tried to look up the mattress brand too. We couldn't. <laughs> they had a whole bunch of uh protective stuff on it. <laughs> um an- another question that I think uh Rob asked you was like what advice do you have or something? And I think you said just like uh you know, fi- like watch watch everybody, copy their throws, see which ones work. Yeah. Like, he was talking about like what advice do you have to youth throwers? And in my mind, I don't know why in that moment I thought inexperienced throwers, like people just starting. And when you just start, yes, that's what you should do. But if you're a youth thrower and you know how to throw already, like you've already wa- watched someone, you've already copied, what I should have said was go to tournaments. Go to as many tournaments as possible. And um my first tournament was the US Open prep tournament in 2021. I drove up, yep. And I met John Bradley in an elevator. And I don't know how the conversation worked, but he ended up telling me the best way you can get good is by going to as many tournaments as you can. And I took that to heart and I did pretty much all of my first year. I went to as I went bankrupt pretty much going to tournaments. I didn't have any money. Um, But because I did that, I I got good really fast. And that's that's the best way. That's what I should have said to all of the <laughs> the younger throwers <laughs> go to as many tournaments as possible. And so if you're, you're hearing me now and you thought what I said at Worlds was kind of silly, yeah, it was. What I should have said is go to as many tournaments as you can. It's it's the best way you can get good. Yeah, I mean it's like there's no substitute for it. There really isn't. There really isn't. Now and uh speaking of tournaments, uh just attended uh you said you've been to one tournament so far this year in 2023, and that's the PLS? Yeah, the Pro League series uh, down in Drenger X. In uh DFW? Yeah, Dallas Fort Worth. That's how, right. Yeah. How would that go for you? I like um <laughs> so I, I I beat myself up about it, but it was honestly not the worst weekend. I, I walked away with you know, money that paid for the trip, you know what I mean? In big action duels, but I felt the pressure, man. That was being the first tournament coming back after the win. I didn't think I was going to feel a lot of pressure. I'd be like, Oh, just another tournament. Um, I just want to throw like me. And I, I, I felt pretty good going in, but as I started every single miss, every single five that I threw, cause, cause I was hitting kill shots. The, the only reason I was losing was because of bullseyes. And like I said, that's that's usually my hindrance. Every single five I threw, I felt a little bit of pressure on my shoulders. 
and it just kept growing and growing. And then I got to Garrett Knighting, you know, one of my good buddies, my duels partner, and he, his first game was terrible. And then I kind of just let, let off the gas a little bit. So he was able to drop the hammer 63, 64, or maybe he might've double 64 me. I'm not quite sure. I just know that it, he he brought it, you know what I mean? And after he knocked me down to B, oh, the pressure was immense. It, it, I was I felt like so many eyes were on me, except they I know they weren't. It was really just the pressure I put on myself. So that was a lot, I think. And then I had one match, it was Ant-Man, Anthony, and then and then Philobomb again. <laughs> that was a pretty hard road for me to to come out of worlds and then go against the best right away. It makes you wonder why the they pressure call it the of pro the champion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. But it was pretty it's pretty difficult for me and Hatchet. But I ended up getting, you know, I don't know, tied ninth, tied thirteenth, I think. Which isn't terrible. You know, I won a few matches. Now uh, uh, I guess the weekend was good. The weekend was good. I got fourth in big X. Me and Garrett got I think it was third in duels after not throwing since Throw Ohio last year. We won Throw Ohio, by the way. I won Twice in duels, Garrett at Ohio, and then with Hayden Brown at um, Angry Wood. Okay, yeah, I was at Ohio last year. I think I, I don't know if I got to. Everybody see. left. Nobody watched <laughs> duels final. We we were probably throwing with five people behind us. Um, and and it got cut out of the live streams. So even if you went back in the live stream, you won't be able to find it. So yeah. you can't. So you can't even. So did you ever even get to see video of your Ohio win? Nope. nope. <laughs> So if anybody, Remember, if anybody's got yeah, the throw Casey Ohio finals, apologize uh, about that. Casey was running the the, the live stream there, and that, that sucks. But I remember it. <laughs> it was one of the only times I beat Lucas, so that was probably one of the first times. And then after that, he didn't beat me again. So <laughs> now, um, as far as like the like the schedule at uh, PLS uh, number one, like what was the first discipline? Because I don't I don't remember or like I for, I don't I. I don't know, either I forgot. Or I, I think the first discipline uh, Friday night was uh, Big X. And so you said you did, that was like the, your strongest performance at Pro League, correct? It was my second strongest. I got fourth in Big X with a brand new Big X, by the way. It was a Colossus that Dustin Woman had made for me. We, me, Dan Brynildsen and Tyler Flynn all have the same X. So we're like the three amigos kind of, okay. we have like the same X that we're throwing. It's kind of cool, but uh, it's a good, it's a good X, but cool. it was brand new to me. So, to be able to do that well with it, I think says something. I should probably stick with it. Uh, who who had it first? Tyler Tyler had it first, and I threw it at Super sixty four, um, just because he he had it there, and that's when me and Dan were like, "Yeah, we like this axe. Can you make it for us too?" And then Dustin, being the magician he is, he made it for us too. And Super sixty four was actually pretty good. I, I think I got third in Big Axe, and then second in Hatchet. So that was fun. Okay. Cool. On so uh, so so Big X was was the first. Um, I guess like as like where where was Hatchet in the Pro League series kind of schedule? Was that like the last? Hatchet was was first time Saturday. So it was Big X then on Friday night, then Hatchet on Saturday, and then Knives after that. And it was crazy because I beat myself up hard about Hatchet just because I had so much pressure for myself going into it. It was really that it was pressure on myself. That I went into knives, just not caring. Just I was like, I'm gonna have a good time. I'm drink beers. Um, I'm just gonna have fun out there. I'm going pretty far. Uh, I think I made top eight in knives. So 
probably one of my best knives showing other than the US Open, but that was a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion. I mean Do you feel like just just uh, like having fun? Just like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go have fun. I ended up doing pretty well in knives. Yeah, that makes sense. It's uh do you feel like that like the eh, I'm just gonna like take the pressure off? Do you feel like that kind of like contradicts your like high pressure practice? Or is it like high pressure practice relaxed in tournament yeah that, ideally that's what you want ideally that's that's the, where you want your mindset to be um but sometimes sometimes it just works out to where you don't care when you stop caring your your body just knows what to do you know and you end up doing a lot better a lot better so are you um i think when i was watching the uh, rewatching the broadcast last night uh i think somebody pointed out that uh you and colby both fast throwers we ended up yeah we ended up throwing really fast on the broadcast i don't think i don't think i'm normally that fast but yeah on the broadcast i just ended up just finding my spot and then just going and it kind of helps not think about things as much but mostly i think it's just that's your rhythm you just you feel good so you throw and a lot of people like i think dustin knight was a really fast thrower and he would just be like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to get in my head. So he throws really fast. But really, it's just that's what I'm comfortable doing. So once I'm comfortable, I'm going to throw. And that just ended up how it was be how, how it went. Yeah, I think uh, well, I think Colby was similar. And so I think you. it seemed like like watching it, it seemed like you all just kind of fed off each other. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. you got a good pace. I got a good pace. Oh, we're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I felt, actually. We just kind of feed off each other, man. And that's probably from my performance careers i would always feed off of like crowds and energy so it helps a lot all right well uh let's see here um oh uh yeah i think uh i think we can start moving into some of the the questions from the community unless there's some uh if there's unless there's anything that um that you want to talk about that i haven't got to yet i think i would love to talk about yeah like i i i told you i threw my first perfect game like my second league like my second month of league in practice and then i didn't end up getting it officially until the next one so my first hatchet 64 is kind of you know whatever but it was pretty soon after but i wanted to talk about my first 32 yeah let's hear it so i did the atlantic regional because it was double points in 2020 double points yeah so i was you, you win you get like 800 circuit points so it's crazy and so I came into it like, okay, I really got to focus. I already have a bid for Hatch. I really got to focus on Big X. And and so that's what I went in to do. And my last game was in the finals. First of all, shout out to Corbin Decker. He's an amazing person. He went up against me when he did not have to. It's the only reason I made it to finals in that tournament because he's amazing. He's a gem. But I and in the finals, I ended up throwing a perfect game on the last, on game three like the last game of the Atlantic region finals to get those double points. And it's on video. It's on, it's online. I can send it to you if you want, but I watched. That was pretty cool. That was when I made my first 32 um, was to win that, that tournament. Was it was like, was the number 32 in your brain? Like while you're doing, you're like, you're like hundred percent. Right. <laughs> yeah. I threw four bullseyes and uh, Hector was throwing against me and he's like, you better hit this perfect game. And I was like, all right, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why that was my attitude, but I was like, sure, yeah, whatever. It was game two or something. I was like, yeah, I'll go up, whatever. And 
yeah, I didn't even realize pretty much that I that I hit it until after the the judge called it. And that was kind of suspenseful because I was like, oh man, that would be huge. And that did. And everyone freaked out behind me and my wife was cheering super loud. <laughs> what was like 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 first in your brain? You're like, cool, I got the double points. Uh or like, oh, I just got my 32. So going into the tournament, I was like, I need these double points. If I want to make it to Worlds, I need these double points. But in the middle of the game, I did not care about that. I was like, I need this six, this this first uh, 32 to just to have it, just to say, you know, I'm in this club now and to just to be able to break through that milestone. And then it just happened to coincide. They just happened to line up I get with each other. However, I got those double points. I ended the season with like 900 circuit points. Didn't even make worlds. <laughs> what? Were, like, even, were you, were you get close? Uh, yeah, I think I was like, like two off, two, <laughs> two places off. Yeah, but that was crazy. I, uh, I, so I have one sixty-four. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've had a couple fifty-sixes with a missed kill and a cut, and maybe one or two sixty-threes. No thirty-two yet. Um, and I've been going for. I'm in two hatchet. And two big X this season. I think I'm throwing a hatchet marathon on Saturday. Uh, but I'm going for that 32 before they switch it to seven throws. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so, fun fact. Um, I have the first 46. Ooh, that, that is a fun fact. That's your, that's I, your... I have thrown the first 46. So, at the Super 64 tournament, we did seven throws format. And I threw a perfect game against Lucas Johnson. It's a, it's a good time to do it. That was a pretty good time. He ended up winning the match. <laughs> He came into the game three and he, he beat me. Uh, and then he threw a perfect game against Dan uh, Brian Nielsen in the finals. But, but you yeah, got the 46 first? the first one. Exactly. <laughs> but then, uh, okay, well, that's, that's, that's cool. That's another milestone. I, I, and then I most of like, my, most of my 32s are in tournaments, not, not even leagues. I, that's something that um, I guess, I mean, I, I don't think there's memos, but I think I missed the memo. Um, right. Like hatchet. I feel like I see people going like, if I look at like the leaderboard, I don't look at it much because it's like I don't need the leaderboard to know I just need to throw better, right? Like, yeah, it's like right. where am I at on this leaderboard? Does just hit the kills? That's you like all do better than you did before. Yeah, yeah the, all this leaderboard tells me is just throw better. Um, but uh, so it's, you know, seeing most people go 100% kill for hatchet, and so I'm like, all right, I think, well, I'm going. I think there's a there's a level right where if you're if you're feeling really good about bullseyes, if you're hitting. In the 50s with bullseyes, it's time for you to go a league 100% kills. And once you start doing that, you will get more confident with them and you will see your scores go a lot higher. I think right now I'm like plateaued at like a 50% kill shot. I'm like, ah, got to get to that 75% so they break even. But, uh, yeah. But, um, so I've been going 100% kill with Big X. I checked the leaderboard. I'm like, it doesn't seem like there's as many 100% kills on the Big X. There are no, there's there's very little people going 100% kill. And it's kind of weird for me right now because we have two big X leagues. I've never had that before. And so during our Sunday league, which is supposed to be like our four points league, um, Dan was telling me you should stay down for this league. And then our Thursday league is less people. We'll go up 100%. It's still really hard for me. If I'm throwing a perfect game, if I, if I have four straight bullseyes not to go up, Oh man, it doesn't feel right. So I have quite a few missed uh, kill shots too, just because I put that pressure on me and I went up on Sundays. So you should not. (laughs) um, I'm like, 
obviously it, it feels good when it play when it works. You're like, yeah, that's why, that's why I did it. But then when you're like, whoops. Yeah. Except that hasn't worked out this season yet. <laughs> okay. So it's just, it hasn't paid off yet. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been going hundred percent kill on, but I, the benefit is I've hit you more of them. Get better. Well, yeah. that that's what I've no, I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, I think at one point I was like one out of three. I'm like, I've never, never done that before. I think in my previous big X league, I didn't even hit three kills the whole season. And it's like, oh yeah. I think if you're work, if you're looking to go to the world championships in big X, you want the circuit points. And so for leagues, you're not really going to get those high spots going for kill shots just because the percentages aren't really there. Probably the top people are in 75% hit. I mean, Tyler's probably a little bit more, but yeah, most of, most of us aren't getting more than 75%. That's for sure. So you want to get just bullseyes in league. And then right before a tournament, practice those kill shots because you're going to need them to go far in, um, in tournaments for sure. So that's what most people are doing. So I got a, I got a question for you about, um, so like, uh, these are things that I am aware of. I don't have any of them. I, I don't even know how well, like the origin of them, but like the, the milestone coins, right? Like the, the 64 oh, yeah. coin, the 32 coin, uh, is there a 46 coin yet? Is there a four? Not yet. Me and Lucas <laughs> were thinking about making one just for ourselves. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we don't have one uh, just quite yet. Cause it's not as popular as a, as a form of a format, you know, as the, the 32 coins. Do you, uh, like- yeah, I have pretty much all of them except except the Premier eighty one because I have not thrown an ITF uh, in a Premier League. So I probably would. I probably if, if I was doing a marathon, I would definitely get one. It's a uh, it's like uh I I don't have a Premier eighty one yet. Uh, but I've only thrown I don't know maybe like a hundred matches. But I, like I, but I don't get to practice ITF. Um, anyway, anyway, moving on. Um, uh, the challenge what, like, coins are cool. They actually ended up hurting me um, at uh, this the PLS tournament. Ryan Smith challenged all of us, and I didn't have my coin on me. <laughs> so, like, what's that? Like, so what, I ended what up is bowing like the... around, oh. and then the very next next bar we went to, he ended up telling. Um, I ended up telling other people, and they said, "You don't have to buy the the rounds, but we want your sweatshirt." And I was wearing I was wearing a jackalope, so big jackalope sweatshirt. <laughs> And it was going to become pretty rare because jumping jackalope's melee team isn't a thing anymore. So they had me, I lost. So they had me take my sweatshirt off, sign the back and give it away. <laughs> You're like, can I just buy a round? I'd rather just buy a right. round. Yeah. I, I love I, that. I just love no, it is what it is. I lost. So fair and square. So like, what's that? Do you know, like, um, do you know the origin story of the coins or do you know who knows the origin story of the coins? Cause I like, uh, I like they exist, but I don't know like where they came from. Most of my knowledge has come from Vin, Vin Crescenzo, um, about them because he has a pretty big role to play. I don't think he started them, but he had a big hand to play in handing them out and everything. So, Okay, sounds like I got to get Vin back on here. Uh, Joe Nestler, I think, started them. Okay, I should get Joe yeah. on here. All right, okay, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you should definitely get Joe on here. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, I, uh, I want, I, I'd like to get to a point where I can do one a week. Um, but I just gotta make sure I don't burn myself out or make it feel like <laughs> I want to make sure it stays fun and not doesn't feel like work. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Cool. So let's go ahead and jump right into these uh, community questions here. Uh, so I think the first one is becoming a bit of a, a fan favorite question. Um, uh, this is a spoiler alert, uh, but um, 
So, well, the question comes from Tyler Flynn. Uh, and I actually just uh, talked to Tyler Flynn on Facebook yesterday and I uh, got him on the schedule to get on the podcast, I think in March. So, yeah. Spoiler alert, uh, Tyler Flynn coming nice. up. Uh, cool. But uh, Tyler Flynn's question is Who is your favorite axe thrower and why is it Tyler Flynn, AKA John Depke in a wig? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Tyler Flynn's my favorite. <laughs> it's just, it has to be. He's such a great person and he's such a good big axe thrower. It's stupid. You can ask all my all my league fellow fellow leaguers. I will throw like Tyler for all like all my practice throws. Just because just because it's fun to imp- pretend to be him because <laughs> he's so good. But he's also one of the kindest and 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 best per- persons I know. Um he helped me a lot coming up. He would um sort of sponsor me to come up for some of his his marathons that he was doing and for Ohio and stuff. He let me stay with him. Yeah, he's easily one of my best friends in the community. But other than that, he's a great thrower. So that's why he's my favorite. And his hair is amazing. His eyes, I can get lost in them. <laughs> and oh. then John Depke is in, in a wig is just Tyler Flynn. So why wouldn't I love him also? That makes sense. That answer checks out. Cool. Uh, <laughs> next question is from Fran. Uh, Fran asks, uh, what's your favorite Disney park food and ride? Oh, that's good. So me and my wife, we love Disney. We go all as as much as we can when when we were in Florida. Uh, it's gonna be harder now that we're in Illinois, but it's gonna be the pork has to be Epcot um, because of the food, and it has my favorite ride. So kind of kind of all comes into one. Uh, it's gonna be Epcot. What's uh, what is the favorite ride and the favorite food? The favorite ride is Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a it's a pretty new ride but it is amazing. I love the music that goes along with the ride. It's one of my favorite movies, Guardians of the Galaxy, because of the soundtrack, and it's just amazing. So Ep- Epcot, and then the food. We 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 go all the time just around the, the world, pretty much. They have the World Showcase, where you can try different foods and drinks around the world. Whenever me and my wife turned uh, 21 separately, we went around the world. We drank around the world. So that was kind of our... Coming to age celebration was at Epcot, and one of my favorite foods at Disney is also there. It's the uh, the turkey leg. How can you go wrong? The smoked awesome. turkey leg. Like, I uh, yeah. one, of, uh, one of the things I so like, um, I I went to Disney as a kid. I haven't been as an adult. I've been to Universal a couple times, um, but like I grew up in Cleveland, which is near Cedar Point, right? Okay. And so I never knew the difference between an amusement park and a theme park until going to Universal because Cedar Point, it's amazing, but it's just roller coasters and the lines suck, right? Like it's just hot. You're in the sun and you're like, Mm -hmm. so the line isn't part of the experience. Like the line sucks and then the ride's cool for like two minutes and then you go wait in another line that sucks, right? But (laughs) Universal is like, you know, uh, also... um, uh, my wife, uh, she did not sell me on Universal. Like she didn't. Like she's like, oh, we go to the Wizarding Wizarding World. I'm like that's cool, whatever. Um, it is awesome. It, it is, is really the best cool. Experience. Yeah, if you like Harry Potter, you, I definitely recommend it. Well, all, like she like she sold me with Harry Potter. Like like she, that was the pitch that she made. She was Harry Potter, right? And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't dislike Harry Potter, but I'm not like obsessed with it. But if she would have told me like there's a real fire breathing dragon there, like that's all yeah. you needed to do like that's it <laughs> sold um, and then 
there's a real life Moe's Tavern from there. I love The Simpsons. It's like yeah, should have started with pretty cool. Should have started Simpsons with Simpsons. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that is the difference that I it's learned. A, it's definitely a theme park. So even the rides, like uh, and the the waiting lines, like you were saying, have interactive things now that you can do while you wait. Yeah, it's pretty like, cool. You're like, oh, this line is in Gringotts. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, sorry, that's my. Uh, my... So that's my uh, that's my favorite Disney park food and ride. Cool, and uh, just conveniently all together. Conveniently, they're all right there in Epcot. Cool. Uh, next question is from Vin. Uh, Vin asks, "Is a hot dog a sandwich?" We've uh, we've gone back and forth on this quite a bit. I think I think I'll agree that a hot dog can be considered a sandwich because it's it's protein in between two buns. However, I think the more appropriate category for a hot dog with a starch on both sides and also the bottom would be a taco. A hot dog is a taco. I will, I will take it to my grave. Hot dog is a taco. All right. Well, uh, I, <laughs> I feel like, uh, I think this is like at least the second time this question has come up on the podcast, which I'm also, I'm flattered that this just, I feel like I have a, like a, a dumb bar question, gravitational pull to me where it's like, this is the right <laughs> uh, environment for these kind of, yeah, this is the forum for all the crazy questions. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, let's see here. Uh, next question. Uh, no, kind of already touched on, uh, but John Depke asks, what's your favorite season and why is it Illinois winters? Yeah, man, it was crazy to move here in the middle of to the Midwest in the middle of the winter. However, it has been not bad at all. It has been amazing in Illinois and well, Southern Illinois. Chicago is a little different right now, but the weather has been pretty nice. It's been a pretty docile winter. So I think it's just another sign that I'm where I'm meant to be. So thanks, John. Thanks for asking. But it's pretty great. Yeah, honestly. Have you had to shovel any snow yet? No, no snow. That's uh if I never if I could go the rest of my life without ever having to shovel snow, I'd die a happy person. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh Chester James asks, uh, how do you throw so well without a beard? <laughs> I yeah. Uh, beforehand I didn't think it was a superpower. You needed a beard to be able to throw axes well, just because the manly aspect. But there are a few of us. There are a few of us out there. Me, Hayden, um, Sebastian Arnold. Now you know we just we can't grow them. It's just one of those things. We got a baby face. I cannot grow a beard to save my life. Or even if I do, it's blonde and patchy and gross. You don't want to see it. Speaking but, uh, uh, speaking of uh, Hayden Brown, uh, Tasia Cobbs asks, uh, "Who is the wish version, you or Hayden Brown?" Uh, <laughs> so we've gotten. They comment a lot that me and Hayden look alike, and I tell everyone that I'm just thick Hayden. So I'm def I'm definitely the wish person, right? Yeah, Hayden is the name brand for sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's a beautiful human being, and um, I'm just I'm just the wish version. I'm th- I'm thick Hayden. I'm a little bit thicker. So I'm thick Hayden. <laughs> cool. Uh, so uh, next question is from Scott Brindle. Um, and the the short the short two word question is throw evolution. Right. Um, right. And basically just want to say like, you know, geek out how your throw has changed, uh, you know, like from your first, going back to like your first leagues, um, like, you know, who are some of your early influences, uh, whose throw did you mm-hmm. see first and made you stop and think I need to do that. Um, how important was super yeah. 32? Yeah, those are all, I mean, 
it's a big part of it, right? Your throw has to go through a lot of different changes. And Scott Brendel, he saw one of the very first ones. You know, it was my very first marathon league. Uh, we traveled to uh, North Carolina just to do it. That's how much we cared about Axelong at the time. We would travel just for a marathon league. But um, when I first started throwing, after that first probably week of a league, uh, I went back and I looked at all the other axe throwers. I, I watched the YouTube videos and I saw this David Sycon guy. I was like, oh, who's, who's he? He's, he seems to be doing well. He's, in, he's on all the broadcasts. So let me just try to do what he's doing. And I tried to pretty much imitate his throw or very early on, um, at least the way his his support arm, him and, and Kump sort of have this left-hand support arm that touches the other arm. That really just guarantees the elbow stays in line with the whole throw. And it made a lot of sense to me. So a lot of what I started to do was based off of what they were doing. And then it kind of just evolved from, from there. So that's how I started. So I was able to get pretty good, pretty fast, just from looking and imitating exactly what they were doing. And I had experience with other sports doing that as well. I did shot put and discus um, for middle school and high school. I was, I was really into that. I did wrestling um, in high school and then I did weightlifting as well. And it was all technique. It's all technique. It's all throwing things, you know, bowling too. Um, it's all just how do I move my body in the perfect way to replicate or perfect a technique? And that's what I did. That's what I did with David Sycon. So I did that first and then just adapted it to whatever, whoever I saw throwing next at a different tournament and I'd change something. And for the longest time, for most, most of my first year, 2021, I was stepping. I was a step thrower with a big, heavy butcher. And I was doing pretty well. I threw my first six, um, 64 with it. And there was just some times where, you know, kill shots were a little bit harder because it was a heavy axe and I was, there was a lot of motion. So then Corbin Decker, actually, at the, at the Atlantic Regional, my first Atlantic Regional was like, hey, man, you should probably not step. <laughs> I was like, nah, you're not right. No, no, this is for me. Everyone else is wrong. Uh, well, I that wasn't right. <laughs> Found out not stepping was the way to go. Throw a lighter axe and not stepping helped tremendously. And then I ended up probably the next tournament after that was down in Florida. It was the Pompano Bullseyes at a Beach. And Lucas, Philabom, Ian Malpaz, they all came down for that. And I ended up doing really well. I ended up making my first paycheck <laughs> that weekend uh, against all of them, which was supposed to be the Florida tournament championship type thing <laughs> and then he opened up to all of them because the prize pool was good and they ended up be all beating me but that's fine i'm not salty at all <laughs> okay. that was that was the next step for sure in uh, my throw evolution and then ever since then it was just tweaking little things um i i threw beer pong a lot in college and i would win little tournaments that we had at our parties and stuff and so i developed my one hand throw into my beer pong throw uh, and I talked to Shane Shep a lot about this too, because if you know, he was a beer pong thrower before he was an axler. So um, I turned my wrist all the way out for beer pong, and then I tried that with axe throwing, and it just worked. There's nowhere else for the wrist to go when you turn it all the way out. And that was sort of the next the next step, you know, just taking different lessons that I've learned through other sports to then apply to axe throwing, and that that, that just makes sense, you know. Yeah. Until um, until I got to where I am now, you know, just changing different implements, changing little things about my throw until I found something that really works. 
did um so right, one of the things like when it, when you talk about like that that mind muscle connection i think it was the the term you used before um yes. and just you know putting in you know the dozens or hundreds or thousands of hours of reps um yeah. have you ever had to some people call it muscle memory some people like that term better so i'm a fan of it uh have you ever had to unlearn something that you like oh i you're like <laughs> the like this is but like almost like like to reverse something that you've put in, say like a hundred hours doing, or has oh, yeah. it really just been like fine tuning it? Yeah, that was most recently. Um, probably after the U.S. Open where I got fifth, lost against Lucas. Um, my throw was way out away from my body. My arm was completely straight from my throw, and I was all wrist. But I ended up starting tournaments really well, but I couldn't finish because I got tired. And to then, I mean, I threw really well with Garrett because he throws the same way. So we won duels, but then to be able to switch to a heavier axe and bring it closer into my body to make that change was really, really, really difficult at first. But um, finding the the king of diamonds, which allowed it to like the axe to punch harder so I could throw softer, holding it softer helped a lot. But that was probably the hardest change for me was getting so many hours with my arm straight out in front of me and then having to change for it to be really close inside and comfortable. Uh, being comfortable was uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Right. Where you're like, okay, this feels good, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're, you're like, I just threw for four hours and I'm not tired. <laughs> it's crazy, be- right? <laughs> uh, also, uh, Scott Brindle ends by saying, uh, shout out Chrissy behind every great man, uh, is a better woman. Shout out to Chrissy. Y'all, I love her. Um, y'all, uh, well, y'all recently got married, right? Yeah, we got married November twentieth. So and pretty much right before Worlds. Oh, uh, actually, I think that's one of the uh, uh, one of the other questions there. But um, which uh, I'll just go. Find yeah, I think right Tasia. Now. Yeah, it's, uh, I need to organize these better. Um, to, uh, oh yeah, here we go. Uh, yeah, Tasia asks, uh, going into WITC, do you think your success was created by coming off of your honeymoon slash wedding, being in a positive, happy sense of mind? I think it could have helped, for sure. Um, there was a lot of pressure to be away from axe throwing at that time when I knew there was a big tournament coming up, but it was also kind of neat to, on my honeymoon. He practiced throw... our entire honeymoon. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I took a target with us and I <laughs> threw it up on trees and just, I created sort of adversity for myself, which always makes you stronger. Adversity will make you stronger. So that kind of helped me in that sense. I don't know if I was relaxed. Per se, going into Worlds, I think I was more stressed because I felt like I didn't have the practice time. But I made it work. You know, I made the practice time. I made it work. We had to scout out Airbnbs and look at the listings and look at the photos to see if there were even trees in the backyard to make sure it was (laughs) what he needed. So everywhere we went along our road trip had to be somewhere where he could practice. I could drill a board into a tree and practice, yeah. You're like, all right, let's so, build the honeymoon around the a, a practice uh potential. Of, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Y'all incorporated axes into your wedding, didn't y'all? We did, yeah. We had um axe throwing. One of our 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 first leagues was Rockstar Axe Throwing, and so we had them come and set up a mobile sort of area for our guests after the ceremony during the cocktail hour. Go throw axes, go experience what we love. We didn't actually get to throw, we we threw one throw. It was the first throw together uh as husband and wife and then we didn't get to throw it all but everyone else enjoyed it a lot and we got some cool pictures from it 
And you have like a, I think it's maybe, might, I might be misremembering it, but uh, then you have like an axe on your cake. We also, yeah, we cut, I, I made sure I cut the axe with a butcher. <laughs> or, or you cut the cake with the butcher? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did, uh, did, I assume it worked well. <laughs> it did. It did. It worked really well, I think. Did, did you clean the hell out of it first? I did. Yeah. I made sure to make sure it was clean. <laughs> You're like, just grab it out of the bag. You're like, oh, I forgot to clean it after practice. Whoops. Yeah. I kept the varnish that comes on all the waddle heads on. I just sterilized it a little bit with alcohol beforehand. So nothing, nothing crazy, but still, it was clean. <laughs> Makes sense. Cool. Um, let's see. All right. Uh, okay. Next question is from Chris Ross. Do you think either of the major organizations could do more to court beginner throwers? What do you think they're doing right in that area? To court them, I mean, I think the best way that we could start influencing our beginning throwers is with more tournaments that are pro-am. You know, we talked about it last year. They they said they wanted to do it, and then we kind of fell through with that. I think if we had more tournaments that separated those pro pro throwers and those amateur throwers, and sort of if you have the amateur tournament the day before and then the top, you know, four or whatever get to go on, and participate in the the pro tournament i think that would be huge for people's confidences and um, to be able to to make money sooner in this sport would help people stay in the sport a lot longer i know for sure at least for me that was a big part of it you know i was like okay eventually i'll make money eventually i have to get really 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 good to then make money even even now still it's really hard but yeah i think that'll help a lot just to have that separation and and motivation for for throwers to have those pro-am tournaments now do you think um and i I might be like reading more into chris's question than maybe intended um because i I agree i think i would love to see uh, a pro-am tournament but i'm also selfish because i'm like i'm i'm probably like right at that cusp of like ah like i'd like um like i mean i'm not pro so i guess i am uh and so i'm like oh that'd be like oh maybe i could win one of those i could win something yeah that was the thing about the the u.s open right that's you were you were either good enough to to make it or you were just not good enough to not and there were a lot of people in that middle ground that weren't happy so we need to we need to find something that makes everybody happy so they continue to enjoy the sport for sure now i think i i think the the pro-am thing might be like i I could see that like more targeted towards like the i guess maybe a their initial idea was to do regionals as pro-am and I thought that was a great idea. That was a great way to sort of showcase that um, and sort of trial run it. But they didn't. They didn't end up doing that. So it is. They made their decision. It is what it is. But I think in the future, if we were to try something, I think a regional would be the best way to sort of trial run that. So, like, I, I, I agree. Like, that would be awesome for like the people that are like, okay, you know, I'm, I've, I'm already throwing. Like, I'm hooked, right? Like, mm-hmm. the people that yeah. are already on the hook. Um, I guess maybe when I was reading Chris's question, I was kind of imagining like what can we do to get more people on the hook, right? Like, you know, like essentially more first-time throwers or more like, or first-time, like, you know, first leaguers. Like, they're like rookies, Oh, that's I easy. I mean, that's venue to venue, you know? That's that's what you're doing for, for your walk-ins to get them to come look at league. And I think the best way that most venues are doing it is they're doing a league promo night, like the, the weekend or the week before league starts. Come try it out. Come Come see what it is. Do a little tournament. Um, so all the all the walk-ins that seemed really interested, they can still try it. 
before they commit to a whole league. Um, I think I think that's something that a lot of people in the community have started doing, or at least a lot of venues, and it's it's been working out pretty well. But if you're not doing that, <laughs> okay, cool, yeah, I, sweet. I think that uh, I think that covers like the whole. Both the narrow and broad definition of beginner throwers. And I don't, and honestly, I don't know much about what the ITF is doing. Um, I know they, they also, like Choppers has two different leagues. They have, it's pretty much a pro-am, right? Like their big Choptober tournament, I know, uh, does that. But I, I really don't know enough to, to really speak about it, unfortunately. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was kind of like what Premier was. It's like, all right, standard is, yeah. you know... Um, Cool. Uh, next question. Got a couple questions from uh, David McIntyre. Okay, DMAC. Uh, it's a typical DMAC questions. Uh, so just uh, you know, so some some friendly trolling. Uh, have you ever thought of changing your last name to uh, Tats, Tits, Toots, Toots, or sometimes tight Tits with a Y? Just yeah, so up it's on got all, all the yeah all the vowels A E I O U sometimes Y. Um, yeah, I could try it all out. <laughs> I guess I think the best one would be Toots. What's up, Toots? I actually had a best friend growing up. Uh, we called him Toots. It was his last name, and I was Teets. You know, I'm, I've always been Teets. But um, yeah, I would probably toots. try Toots. I think that's fun. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. All right. Um, <laughs> he jokes. Uh, who's your favorite ninety sixth placement in Worlds, and why is it him? Uh, oh, yeah, favorite movie. I think you already answered that. Uh, or. I think, or no, I think that was a France question. Oh yeah, I'm um, sorry. Uh, you, are you a big movie person? Or are you too busy doing all of the other things to watch movies? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll watch them, but I don't. I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with movies, honestly. To sit down and watch them, I don't. I don't have a favorite movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's, sorry, David. It's a, that's sorry. just not something I'm super passionate about. I think. Cool. And then, oh, uh, so David has uh, one other question that's uh, actually related to another question. Uh, so Maria Schultz asks, uh, will you update slash change your waddle card to Dylan Bule Bule Teets or stick with your OG asking for a friend? Yeah. <laughs> so that, uh, Maria, that comes from my wife whenever we go to tournaments. If you've, if you've watched me throw it all at a tournament and my wife was there watching, whenever myself and my opponent gets a bullseye, which is quite often now. So it comes up quite a bit. Um, she'll, she'll yell bule bule. And then she'll do an air horn sound. Bam, 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 bam. Be like that. Cool. Um, and <laughs> pretty loud, pretty, pretty. <laughs> she, she roots me on. She was, she's really excited about the sport. So a lot of people recognize that, that cheer now. And that's really fun. Can you hear your wife while you're throwing? Yes. <laughs> yeah or now now so i don't hear her if i don't need to <laughs> you know because originally i know it was hard i can always hear her she's always watching me and that would kind of get in my head but now it, it's it's so comfortable that even even when she's not there i hear her <laughs> and vice versa when when she is there it's almost like i cannot hear her because i can hear her in my mind does that make sense it's like ghost ghost bully bully yeah ghost bully bully <laughs> Uh, uh, the other the other question kind of related to that from uh, DMAC was, uh, has your wife ever chanted "killy killy" or "droppy droppy"? Droppy droppy drop. No, um, those those ones not so much. But we do have other chants. Um, like if if we both hit, if I hit a kill shot and the other person hits a kill shot, she'll yell "hit hit hooray," 
It's a good one. I think like, I, I remember hearing hip, some of those at Worlds. Hip, hip hooray. Yeah. Um, I think oh. it was another Was there another one, babe? No. All right. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> cool. No worries. Uh, uh, Brandon Bloyer asks, uh, why is there Braille on the drive-up ATM? Why is there Braille? Uh, well, probably people aren't typically driving. However, I think their caretakers are possibly driving. And if the blind person needs to put in their sensitive information, might need to be able to feel that and, and tell, you know. So that's probably why there's Braille on drive-up ATMs, Brandon. <laughs> well, there's also there's different levels silly, of blindness. There is. It's true. Right? Like, there's like, I'm, you know, uh, I can still drive, uh, but I would prefer to read Braille. Like, you know, it's easier for me to read Braille than it is to, you know, read. Yeah, nearsighted versus farsighted type. Also. Yeah. Look at, look at us. And come up with these answers on the fly. Yeah, we actually <laughs> saw we actually solved it. Look at us. We're sleuthing. <laughs> Um, cool. Uh, Zach Crawford asks, Why are you such a dog? Uh, boy. Um, so me, well, initially it was Zach, Fancy, and Ryan Gustin. They kind of just, I think, Fancy started barking at, at Zach at a tournament. He just started being a dog, he started going crazy, you know, and they loved it. And so they can't bonded over it. And then eventually I just sort of associated myself with that group of that, those guys and they were like hey man you want to be a dog i was like what is that what <laughs> like yeah man me fancy gustin we're, we're dogs man you want to be a dog absolutely yes 100 percent. sign me up uh, <laughs> so from now on we have a little group chat and we call ourselves the the dogs we we're in the kennel you know now uh so like i'm from cleveland uh i was born a browns fan i didn't pick this life uh people oh, say you could change so i don't i don't know like i just can't like uh yeah it's uh, hard to change yeah change i think it's hard i'm just getting into soccer now <laughs> Ooh. all right I don't, I, soccer's cool they you get a penalty you just lose a player <laughs> like it's like red card you lose a player i would love to see that holding you have 10 offensive 10 offense players you should, now. You should get into hockey you'd love hockey i think uh <laughs> i went ice skating recently it was fun i that's can you ice skate? Are you a good ice skater? Um, that's actually one of the things. I mean, I've I've skated like skateboard and longboard, but the actual skates, uh, I learned when I when I was working at a bowling alley one time. One of my coworkers took me, and she taught me, and I ended up getting it pretty fast. But it isn't just something that my friends have wanted to go do in Florida. We don't really have a lot of uh, ice skating and whatnot, so it hasn't been a feature thing to go do. So I don't have a lot of experience in it, no, but. I think if I tried to, it could be a lot of fun. Do uh do you know who Jalen Ramsey is, cornerback for the Rams? Yeah. Uh I remember he got in some trouble because he's like, Man, I could be a pro hockey player in six months. They're like, you can't learn to skate like that in six months. Mm, yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love me some hockey. Hockey's hockey's entertaining at, at, at like I like seeing it live, every level of the arena. Also, oh, oh are, yeah. are, uh also uh was uh Go Bolts? Is that uh is that the Tampa team? Yeah, lightning. Yes, sir. We go to at least once a season. We try to go to a game. Go Bolts. <laughs> Man, uh, Tampa had a good year for championship teams. Oh, know. yeah. All right. Sorry. I got uh, I got distracted. Um, okay. Uh, that was uh, asked that question. All right. Oh, uh, oh uh, Dolan said, talk about drumline. Talk about drumline. Well, I think we did a little bit. I think I said I was on the – I was in an indoor 
sort of ensemble. We we, we toured and um, competed against other drum lines for a while, and I, I played the the cymbals. <laughs> so there's a lot more than just crashing them together. It's a very visual element. There's a lot of dance involved, and I did that for quite a few years with um, an indoor drum line, pretty much. So that's actually how I started juggling the cymbals, right? We were talking about that. And then moving on, I got a job at in NFL for the Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for maybe three or four years, I got to be on their drum line and get paid to go to the games and just play easy music and just watch Tom Brady do his thing. We did get to go to the Super Bowl when they won here or in, in Tampa Bay. So pretty cool experience. That, did you get did you get paid to go watch the Super Bowl? Uh, we didn't get paid to watch the Super Bowl because we weren't allowed to perform in it because we had because they had a whole bunch of regulations on sounds and they already had a halftime performance. But we did get to go for free. Wait, you mean <laughs> and I got to bring my wife? So. I mean, you didn't you didn't get precedence over Rihanna or whoever the Rihanna of that year was? I think it was the weekend with one or with only two out of the three E's. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, if uh, I'm my music taste is basically sealed from 20 years, like did 20 years ago, but that, all right. Uh, let's see here. Talk. So we talk about that's also, that's really cool. And it sounds like you've had a bunch of strange jobs to complement yes. your, uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, breadth of, uh, skills and athletic pursuits. I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of weird things. <laughs> Have you ever, has there been any, like, kind of like, I guess, mundane or like routine or like stereotypical jobs that like other people like, oh yeah, like, oh, you know, like uh, I worked as a waiter or like, oh, I worked retail. Like, because I've run into that where like, like, why do you have this experience? But like, wait, you never waited tables? Do, do you yeah, have any of those no, examples? I don't, I, I really haven't had jobs where I had to work with people so much, like like waiting on tables or customer service or anything like that. But most of my regular jobs have been in construction and machine operating, like forklift operating and and stuff like that. Those were kind of my mundane make ends meet sort of jobs. Um, I would I would work little machines and construction, like little skid steers and backhoes and stuff. And then industrial production with forklifts and and stuff like that. Those are kind of my mundane type jobs that I've worked, I think, but everything else has been pretty crazy and out there. Um, like for a whole year, I think I was teaching, teaching music, performing music and per- performing in, in a theme park. So that was a pretty cool time. And then COVID hit. So what, uh, what kind of music were you teaching? Cause I taught guitar lessons for like six months. And after I think like the 100th time of trying to teach somebody how to play Iron Man, I'm like, Nope, can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> you play guitar? Uh, I, yeah, like two hours a week. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my time alone here, I didn't have my wife for a while, so I was picking the guitar back up. I, I, it's one of the first instruments I ever learned was guitar, and um, I, I've, I've been picking it up. I've been rocking <laughs> I, here down in the basement I'm living in. So I feel um, like I taught high school marching band, so visual and percussion. So I had a whole caption under my head and and music <laughs> so it was it was a lot at that time what would be the like smoke on the water of marching band like what would be like the like i oh. don't want to teach this song ever again 
I mean, every every school is different. There's, it's really not. We have stands tunes, like songs that you play in the stands, but as every school is different. So there's really not something mundane. If there's really something like uh, like bread and butter kind of thing, it'd be like our basics, like our basic okay. moving, basic scales. <laughs> it's like I really don't want to have to teach high schoolers how to play scales. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, cool. Uh, next question. Uh, it's actually three questions from Tabitha Fisher. Uh, head judge. Love uh, Tabitha. Yep. Uh, question number one. How often does Tabitha piss you off? <laughs> she thinks I hate her, I think. Just because we we love her. All right. First off, she's amazing. Amazing human being. Um, her and David, congratulations. They're going to get married. Uh, team Milk Crate. <laughs> <laughs> thank uh, your judges. Yes. Thank your judges. But she thinks I hate her because every single second that I call, she turns over. Every <laughs> single time I think I have a kill shot, Big X or whatever it is. Most most of Big X. Um, she gets on her milk crate. She looks at it. And she calls it no good. I think it's because she loves me so much. She doesn't want to be biased. That's just what I tell myself, I think. <laughs> so I don't feel bad about missing. But I'm, I mean, I'm obviously visibly upset and she's not used to seeing me upset. She tells me I have an intensity when I throw that I don't have um, when we're just like being friends and talking. So I think she thinks that I don't like her for that. But obviously, I love her. We're great friends and she's amazing. But yeah. Cool. Uh, I don't like missing. I I don't know anybody that does. Like, what's your favorite part of throwing? It's the missing. Yeah, I love to be bad. Uh, question number two is uh, how are you enjoying the new job managing a venue it's pretty great honestly Um, sort of combines my two loves you know of managing a team like I did that in industrial production and then also axe throwing like I know this world I've been to so many venues and I can kind of marriage that also with performance like starting groups I have like a performance that I do for a group and be able to have fun with them and make sure they have a good time. It's entertainment, right? It's, it's the entertainment industry and that's what I know. It's what I love. So it's been really awesome. I think it's Dan, I think Dan Reynolds he has a lot of um, projects and things for, for me to do. And I was like, no man, just let me, just let me work. Just let me entertain. <laughs> how often like, he's like, wait, you know how to do that? I got an idea for that. Like juggle? Yeah. I can make juggling work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not as much. Not as much in the normal walk-in environment. Cool. Uh, let's see. Here. All right. Next question from Tabitha is, how much are you enjoying this time as the champ? It's still pretty crazy to me. I still I'll forget. You know, people will call me champ. I'll be like, who? Oh, me? Oh, that's right. I'll just kind of, like, I don't believe that I did it, you know, until people ask, have to tell me like, oh, yeah, you did that thing. And and so that's been kind of weird. But it's also really surreal to realize that I'm going to be the longest world champion because the next world isn't going to be until 2024, spring of 2024. So I will have the title for the longest period of time, technically. So uh, that's right. Because I, I forgot about that, that it's going to be in this. So like the next worlds should be warmer. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's right. the plan. And then I know um, Appleton, the Fox Center, they want us to come back. So that makes sense. That space was dope. Like, the, yeah, I liked the, it. Every, yeah. everything in one place, that was cool. 
Appleton accent. Mm -hmm. They were great. Like, yep. Except for the flu part. Except for everyone getting the flu. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that's just how travel in the winter works now. That is true. Yeah. I blame Zach Crawford. <laughs> I, uh, when I came back from ITC 2020, I'm pretty sure I had like OG, like, like, uh, like pre-release COVID. Like, oh really? Yeah, like the oh, one. No. Like, I might have that thing that's on the news. They're like, that. Don't worry about it. We can't even test for it yet. Like, all right, okay. Hope. Uh, yeah, uh, Hope it's nothing. Like, yeah, it's a, no. Like it, it was scary though. Like, because uh, like I'm not. Um, well, like if you, if you worked in construction, uh, yeah, I like my. I grew up doing construction, and I did not grow up in a take sick day or go to the doctor kind of household. Uh, <laughs> no, I grew. I grew up, and it's like a. You still have to go to work when you're sick, or you still have to go to school when you're sick. Uh, didn't want to do that. That's just like that's just how dad raised me, and so it's yep. like, oh, I got the flu. Like, or or it's like, it's like I'm sick. Right, are you dying? Oh well, Duh, I can't tell you. <laughs> I talked about yeah. that to my therapist recently. Like, are you gonna live uh, today? Uh huh. Today, right? <laughs> today, yeah. It was, uh, a couple hours ago. Uh, are you gonna live? Uh huh. Quit crying. Thanks, dad. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question uh, from, uh, sorry if I mispronounced this last name, uh, from April Rentschler. Uh, yeah, what would April. you do for a Klondike bar? Oh, that's easy. Kill. <laughs> <laughs> I would kill for a Klondike. <laughs> easy. Yeah. I love ice cream, but probably not that much, actually. Is, uh, is Klondike your favorite ice cream, or do you have a favorite ice cream? That's hard. Probably like peanut butter cup, like just a vanilla peanut butter cup. Soft serve. It's a good one. So, yeah. Cool. Or uh, or just vanilla and peanut butter. Or like vanilla froyo with peanut butter if you're being a little healthier. Yeah. It's great. Oh, the first time I went to a froyo place, I was just a child where I put all the toppings oh in my it gosh. and I just made you didn't realize it's it. the weight. Yeah, uh, it did. and it didn't even taste good. It's just I mixed flavors <sighs> that you shouldn't mix. Oh no! You're like I always what, do. Yeah. I always do all the fruity options. Now that I know, I do all the fruit. Yeah, I, uh, I was listening to uh, one comedy podcast, and they were saying they're like, actually, it's cheaper to buy produce, like like frozen fruit, by the pound from a froyo place than it is from the grocery store. I don't know if that's true <laughs> anymore, but that was like, from like, by a the pound. Years. Yeah, you're like, I just want a cup of kiwi from the the frozen yogurt place. Um. All right. Uh, another question from Fran. Uh, Fran asks, uh, what's your favorite Disney movie Brandable. and Disney villain? Oh, that is tough. We love Disney. Um, Disney movie. There's a bunch of like underrated movies in like the early 2000s that both me and my life love, like Meet the Robinsons, Treasure Planet, um, at Journey to Atlantis, right? Or just Atlantis? Atlantis, yeah. Um, all, the, all those type of animation styles like we really love those types of movies yeah yeah meet the robinsons is a big one we actually played um the song as our first dance type That's <laughs> music awesome. so yeah and then disney villain man probably scar from the lion king he's pretty was a good pretty villain. cool i don't know he's a good villain yeah good good arc i mean hamlet right it was based off of shakespeare so like he was destined to be a good villain, but then also the music was incredible. He's a good singer. So yeah. Cool. Actually, I just had a, a question. She's like mentioned like Shakespeare. I know nothing about like theater or drama or that, like basically performance and that kind of, um, but <laughs> like when you have to not only do something like 
physically impressive, but you have to like do it in a theatrical way. Yeah. Does that like basically like, oh, you're like, that's hard mode. And you're like, oh, I just have to hit the kill shot and I don't have to like do it in costume and like be dancing and like make people laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, like I don't have to, I don't have to look pretty while doing this difficult thing. I'm, I'm fine. Everything's okay. Um, like I'll probably, I'll probably go into it too much, but I did a show on stilts. I was a stilt walker, um, for uh, a drum and bugle corps. We traveled, we toured all throughout the nation and I did that show on stilts and I would have to do a lot of physical activity and a lot of crazy, like I did a, a somersault or no, a cartwheel. It was a cartwheel on stilts. Um, and then have to, like, keep performing. It was so dangerous. You have no idea. Like, and I would, there would be like rainy days and I had to tell them like, I can't do this in the rain. Like stilts <laughs> don't work in the rain. And they would be like, Oh, well you have to do it anyway. Um, it was, it was, it was a lot. So it was yeah. a very is challenging there... experience. So that, there... having that, all of those variables together and then compared to just axe throwing, so easy. Have you thrown axes on stilts? Do you still have stilts? <laughs> um i don't know no all of my stilts have been rented they're not they're not worth buying i think but if i did have a pair i would absolutely go axe throwing wearing them for sure uh yeah all right, all right. um okay uh, sorry i got distracted uh all right i think we're at the last uh last community question uh i think mm-hmm. you may know this uh person asking the question pretty well uh judging by the last name uh carmen teats asks that's uh, my mama that's my mom my cool. mom she uh let's see she's got a handful of questions for you and i think you got to answer all of them because it's mom but uh, um, yeah. yeah all right uh who were your musical inspirations growing up musical inspirations i mean as performance goes blue man group for sure i would always ask to go to see the blue man group i thought they were incredible performers and musicians so that really opened up like performance and percussion into my life cool um what sports hobbies has he played so i think you touched on some of them but yeah i did touch on most of the sports uh i did in high in middle school and high school it was uh track and field was a big part of it i was actually second in the state um in discus in high school for the track and field and i chose band i chose a band camp over going to states so that was a big decision in my life um and then also i had the the other throwing implements and then wrestling and weightlifting and, and bowling was a big part so a lot of technical like repeatable motions that you need to memorize technique i'm a technique guy like i want to perfect a technique and um do the do the research do the studies and i ended up actually being the the throwing coach for my high school when we didn't have a coach i i stepped up as a student i was like okay i'll be the coach how did so out of the sports that you you mentioned right so most of them or a lot of them were individual sports right where like uh but you mentioned wrestling you know it's just a combat sport uh and that's the only one that i really yeah. know well how did you like that one compared to the other ones where it's not like because it is completely technique but it's also you're like oh it's like an active like my technique versus your technique plus like uh strength and like you know uh like aggression i don't know i would say i would say that one probably challenged me the the most just because there was someone else i had to like direct had to directly that was affecting what i was doing you know what i mean 
Um, so that definitely made, made, made me stronger in that aspect. But I, I loved the physical aspect. I loved how much it pushed me. And it definitely made me stronger for all my other sports and disciplines. Um, it made me more disciplined, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Is that your question? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, uh, well, cause, cause the other ones are like when it's just technique and like nobody's like disrupting your technique, you can just do your thing. Yes. But in yeah. wrestling, it's in your zone and whatever. Somebody's disrupting what you're trying to do. That's the goal. Yeah. Cool. And also, yeah, team events. I don't know. Um, I, I didn't like always putting in work and then some members of the team not. I just didn't enjoy that part of sports. Like if I was going to, if I was going to put all of my effort into something, which is usually what, what, what I've done for most of my life, um, I, I want it to show that I did the work and other people weren't slacking, if that makes sense. And yeah, I don't want to say I'm not a team player. I love, I love people and, and uh, I have been an extrovert for most of my life. I'd say I'm more introverted now for some reason. Uh, I get I get home from from work and I'm like, oh, exhausted. There's too many people <laughs> in the Midwest. <laughs> it's kind of crazy because, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, just something about sports. I've always preferred individual sports, I think. For sure. And I- duels, duels and axe throwing, I mean, has really pushed me because it's one other person. You need to perform for them. And that's why whenever I, I miss or something in duels, I take it hard. Like this last weekend at PLS, I missed a kill shot for us to move on. And I I took a walk. I took a long walk, though. <laughs> it was it was it was hard. I think it was on um so like so uh uh Lucas and Kyle Rickenbaugh, they have that new podcast, the the sit your axe down. Sit so if you haven't down. listened to that, yeah, I love go it. check that yeah. out. That like those have been great. Like uh like Lucas Absolutely. um Lucas mentioned something like how both Lucas and Kyle and then it, it just all ever all three of them uh said like how throwing knives has made their hatchet better and i'm like well damn it oh, yeah. i started throwing knives um yep. that's that's why i suck at hatchet i haven't been throwing knives it's not the fact that i just <laughs> suck and don't practice enough it's that i haven't been doing knives it might have been why i did so well at the u.s open because all i had all i threw was hatchet and knives <laughs> okay. um but uh something something you said reminded me about that i think i lost it i don't know uh all right, we got more more questions uh, from your mother. Uh, let's see here. Mama. Uh, next one. Um, you were in the music industry growing up. What are some of your favorite moments? Goliath juggling. Yep, those we talked about those. <laughs> the Goliath was the stilts performance. It was okay. a Dave and Goliath uh, performance. Assume you were Goliath because I was one Goliath. on the stilts. Yeah, yeah, and I had to be probably the biggest um i've ever been muscular wise bodybuilding wise it was really hard because drum corps your tour you do 13 hour days and it's nothing but running pretty much you're marching and playing using your cardiorespiratory system all day long so you end up losing a lot of weight a lot of muscle um i especially my first year i probably lost 30 pounds of fat and muscle like easily and so that was that was the first test for me to try to keep my size and do uh do that that sport that was a lot of fun it was it was a good challenge i think and then the juggling uh, like we talked about the greatest showman show where I, I juggled symbols that was pretty cool a lot of people still recognize me from those shows like if they were in high school um at the time you know those were the those were the performances to look up to if you were in like a normal band in high school drum corps and indoor percussion were the top level of marching sports i was 
I was a professional marcher. <laughs> um, I was I was at the highest end, so I still get recognized for those positions, those those solo sort of performances, and it's really neat. It's it's kind of cool to still stay in some of the limelight for that, and then also now be in the limelight for for axe throwing. You know, yeah. Um, uh, a question about uh, just like just mar- marching bands. Um, so mm-hmm. I went to Ohio State, uh, the Ohio State. I guess if I want to be a jerk about it, the um, oh, um, it's, it's, I can't believe they got intellectual property for the word the. <laughs> that's a, that's insane. Yeah, that's um, that's but, a little silly. Uh, but I and like uh, I grew up watching more NFL than college football. I like college. I'm liking college fo- football now more than now that the players have like you know can get name, image, and likeness deals and actually like get paid. If you know, <laughs> so that way if they tear an ACL, they're not just like yeah. Um, so I think that's cool. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. But uh, right, Ohio, State's, Ohio State's known for their marching band, and uh, I guess uh, like for, as your perspective, because I don't care, right? Like, uh, but I'm like, I see the YouTube videos, and I'm like, ah, look, they're spelling stuff. Oh, they're spelling different stuff. Oh, they're doing dinosaurs. And like, and I'm like, that's cool. Like, uh, you as a professional marcher, uh, do you like In my from my perspective? What they do is playing with linking locks it's 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 child's play okay um it's it's someone who knows how to write drill in a fun way that normal people can recognize what they're doing and enjoy it and that's what it's for and they do that very well they do what they do very well and it's it's for a purpose right it's to entertain the masses that don't understand marching arts right but if you are just following the marching arts in performance and marching band it's it's pretty simple it's pretty it's it's not very impressive honestly i'm sorry i'm sorry you don't have to apologize to me uh, ohio fan but i yeah it's it's kind of easy what they do i like to imagine uh, i mean it's not i feel i feel bad but like you know they get the those like youtube videos and it's like look this is what it looks like but it's like very perspective based right and you're like what's Mm -hmm. it look like for the person sitting on the other side of the field like this yeah this yeah, it's upside down. Like what? what? Oh, oh, oh! It looks like a dinosaur from that side. Is Ohio State marching band basically like the Michael Bay Transformers of marching bands? Yeah, Michael Bay Transformers. I'd say more like the Harlem Globetrotters. Okay. You know, I'll show. Okay. Cool. I I no, take no, no actual technique, no actual you know, or uh, I mean, they have technique, but the gamesmanship of it, it I guess. It's like going like. Trying to max out just the entertainment, like novelty, nostalgia yes. stuff. Hundred percent. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, and then uh, the last question from your mom is, "What do you like most about being in the X community?" That's a hard one because I love so much about it. Um, this is an amazing, amazing community. More accepting and just positive than anything I've ever experienced. Honestly. It was really cool just to start something for me and have it end up being a, a full community. I'm doing something with other people because I enjoy being with those other people. Um, it's been it's been an amazing experience, and I met so many friends and had built so many relationships that I think are priceless. And one of them got me this where I'm at today. Um, I wouldn't be where I am without the community being so amazing and just the people inside of it 
just being saints, honestly. <laughs> um, there's very little bad things, probably no bad things I can say about the people in this community. And very grateful, very grateful. I'm very blessed to uh, have found where I am today. For sure. I, I can, I can relate to it. Like, uh, it's, it's weird when you're like, Oh, like axe throwing is life changing. Like, but no, like, like even, even like not even in like, it doesn't even have to be big ways. You're like, Oh no, like build my right. schedule around axe throwing. Like, Oh, can't do yeah. that on Tuesday. Got, you know, got league or whatever, you know? Sure. Sure. For me, it's literally a life change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally a completely new chapter in my life. So cool. All it's right. I think, cool. I think we got through all the community questions. Uh so now just kind of the last last kind of steps. Uh just like uh do you have any like you know, any sponsors, any shout outs, anything you want to plug? So you might be surprised, Bill, but I don't have too many sponsors. Uh, um I want to thank Gorilla Boy. You know, they reached out to me and they're like, Hey, we want to do you do a deal with you and so i was like sure why not i need a new x bag so it kind of works out and then i've had gooder all last year and they recognized what i did on tv for them so now they're actually uh wanting to to be a real sponsor for me and other members like kyle rickenbaugh and probably everyone that's going to be on my melee team the murderers row we're going to have them and um long drink i don't think they're going to be doing much with us now but I did have them all last year, and that was that was pretty cool. We got to have some free long drink <laughs> at tournaments, so I appreciate that. But really, that's just the two. That's all we have right now. And then most of last year was individual sponsors: uh, Kyle, Tyler, the the people in in Florida who just wanted to see me go to more tournaments. That just paid for my flights. That was really it. You know, I appreciate all of them, especially my family, um, who recognized that I sacrifice time away from from them to to come do this but at real as well as far as sponsors go i'm looking i'm open i'm look i'm looking for more sponsors so if you have connections and you're hearing this and you think i'd be a good person to sponsor i don't i don't see why <laughs> but i'll accept it probably <laughs> cool uh if you had like uh if you had to pick like some dream sponsors like what would be like oh man it'd be so cool if i could get sponsored by x Oh man, dream sponsors. I think any kind of whiskey company would be cool. Um, anyone, any distilleries out there like Woodford Reserve or, or you know, Wild Turkey or, or something cool. I don't know. I like whiskey so much. I don't, don't rarely drink, but whiskey seems to be the best thing for me to drink, especially when I'm throwing just to be happy. If I'm happier and have a good time, I'm going to throw better. Um, and the long drink did that too. I mean, gin is basically whiskey before it's aged. So, um, yeah, that'd be really cool. Uh, Puma, I wear their shoes and their socks and uh, some of their some of their stuff. So, Puma, here's this. I think that'd be pretty cool to get them on board. But cool. anyone, man, anyone, anyone looking to help, and I'll, I'll represent you for sure. If you have a good business, if you have you know moral values. I want to support you and hope you can support me too, you know? Cool. That's awesome. And then uh, I guess, um, I guess where will people see you next? See me next. Uh, We're thinking about Keystone. And then after that, for sure, the next pro league series. Um, I just, I don't have a lot of availability to go to a lot of tournaments right now, but um, those pro league series, those are pretty cool. So you'll, you'll definitely see me of those. And then as many, tier ones as i can make it to 
Yeah. So maybe Keystone. Yeah, I think that's the next one. No, it's my birthday weekend. The, coming up this uh yeah so it'd be like, april what, 20, 20, 20 oh, april. April. oh oh keystone's your birthday weekend yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, 24 24 big two four man you're getting you're getting close to that uh that cheaper cheaper car insurance renting cars oh my gosh well yeah uh, <laughs> it's dude, been so hard not being able to rent a car uh <laughs> th- like this my wife can do it now she gets she's in charge of car rentals for now um yes uh <laughs> those are all right like i i have this this bad habit where like uh like when one of my I, i'll do math at every birthday and mm-hmm. like even if i don't like even my brain doesn't want to it's like uh my friend turned 35 a couple years ago and i was like oh congrats man you're just as far from 20 as you are from 50 he's like bill shut the hell up oh no <laughs> and so she's like oh i wonder how far away this number is from the this the bigger number and the smaller number like don't spell just stop just don't i don't need to do that anymore so no um probably not <laughs> cool all right man uh it it's been a pleasure thank you for taking the time uh hey, thanks for inviting me on bill yeah that's cool uh uh hopefully i get to see you around at like upcoming tournament so yeah i hope to see you soon man um thank you everybody for listening yeah cool adios have a good one